This is Jocko Podcast number 161 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. I do the wrong and first begin to brawl. The secret mischiefs that I set a broach, I lay unto the grievous charge of others. Clarence, whom I indeed have cast in darkness, I do beweep to many simple goals, namely to Derby, Hastings, Buckingham, and tell them tis the queen and her allies that stir the king against the duke, my brother. Now they believe it, and withal wet me to be revenged on rivers, Dorset, Gray. But then I sigh, and with a piece of scripture tell them that God bids us do good for evil. And thus I clothe my naked villainy with odd old ends stolen out of holy writ and seem a saint when most I play the devil and that right there is a few lines from the play Richard the third written by good old William Shakespeare the bard and clearly Richard the third is uh, made out in this play to be an evil like a hundred percent evil political maneuverer that's what he's made out to be sort of the ultimate archetype of the Machiavellian Machiavellian leader and there's people that say, and it's it's actually it certainly seems that Shakespeare intentionally wrote him that way. And there's a bunch of things. I guess at some point we'll go over the the whole play of Richard the Third. But let's take a look at the lines that that you know, because because Machiavellian, what we what we think of it when we hear it now is we think that it means someone that is just completely devious and completely dishonest and completely deceitful in their quest for power. Yeah. Right? That's what people think of when they think of Machiavellian. And definitely, I think, Richard III is made to be and was written to be sort of the, the quintessential Machiavellian character. Let's look at these lines a little bit. Um, because as I said when we did Henry V on podcast number 15, you're not going to know exactly what Shakespeare is talking about right. because he's writing in an almost in another language. Yeah. So not quite. You can still understand it. Yeah. It doesn't take much, but there's some things going on in there. So it starts off, I do the wrong and first begin to brawl. So what is he saying there? I am the one that is doing something that is wrong. I'm the one that's starting the fights. Yeah. That's what's going on here. I'm starting the fights. And then he says, the secret mischiefs that I set a broach, I lay unto the grievous charge of others. So these bad behaviors that he's undertaking, that he's secretly undertaking, he is blaming them on other people. Mm. 
He then goes on to say, Clarence, whom I indeed have cast in darkness, and you wouldn't quite understand this, but unless you read it, but his brother Clarence, he put his brother Clarence into prison. And then he says, I do beweep to many simple goals. So he, in front of other people, he cries and bemoans that, oh, poor Clarence. But he thinks those people are fools. Yeah. Namely, Derby, Hastings, and Buckingham, which is what he says in the next line. And, and then he says that he tells those same people, he tells those people that it's the queen and her allies and tell them tis the queen and her allies. He's, he's saying like, look, this isn't, this isn't about me. Yeah. It's about the queen. She's the one that's doing all this. She's the one that stir the king against the duke, my brother. So it's not it's not my fault. It's the queen. And then he says, now they believe it and withal wet me. Meaning they believe it and then they're egging him on. Like you need, you can't let that stay. Imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> Think of that yeah. twist right there. <laughs> like you're setting this up, but then you've got these people actually egging you to take vengeance yeah. on the situation, which is what they're egging him on to do. Back to the book to be revenged on Rivers, Dorset, and Gray. But then, but then here's where here's where it takes a little a little switch. Mm-hmm. But then I sigh, and with a piece of scripture. So he's gonna say, oh, and then he's gonna quote the Bible. And he says, he tells them that God bids us do good for evil. You know, hey, the Bible says we should do good instead of evil. That's what's going on here. And then he says, and thus I clothe my naked villainy. That's a good line. You gotta be Shakespeare to write that one, right? Clothe my naked villainy. This is how I dress up my evil plans with odd old ends stolen out of holy writ. So he dresses up his naked villainy. He covers his evil plans with little parts of scripture from the Bible. Then he closes it and seem a saint when most I play the devil. <laughs> So, like I said, that's that's Richard the Third, and things don't really work out that well in the play for Richard the Third, and they don't they didn't work out for him in real life either. He was actually hacked to death. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Which we generally consider to be a bad ending. He sure. was hacked to death at the end of the Battle of Bosworth after he fell off of his horse. Legit. And there's a famous line, which I'm sure everyone's heard, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse, which is he, he, he was losing everything because he fell off his horse mm-hmm. and needed one. And like I said, perhaps, you know, at some point we'll, we'll cover the whole play. But today, what I wanted to dig into a little bit is this term of Machiavellian. And we covered his Art of War book, which I had an interesting, um, I think it was a YouTube comment. Because I said, you know, Art of War, Machiavelli, Niccolo Machiavelli. And someone's like, that was written by Sun Tzu, idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. some trooper came on and was like, actually, he's not talking about that Art of War. He covered that one here and covered this. Oh, and there's, by the way, there's a bunch of different Art of Wars. And here's one of them Mm -hmm. that was indeed written by Machiavelli. So we covered that. But that's not really uh, Machiavelli's most famous work. His most famous work is this book, which we mentioned there, The Prince. And the prince was thought to have been written around 1513. 
not really widely published until 1532, which was five years after Machiavelli's death. And it's it's basically the forerunner of kind of leadership books, right? It's the forerunner of self-improvement books. Interesting. And it's telling leaders how to lead their principalities. And it and one thing, and I don't dive too, I don't dive too many of these. Uh, we're not going to cover too many of these, but it gives real world instructions. So it's kind of like extreme ownership or the dichotomy of leadership. It gives real situations that happen. It gives the principle, and then it's like here's a situation where this actually unfolded this way. Mm. So it's it's very thorough in that respect, and you know it's considered to be one of the uh, first works of modern political philosophy. And it this is the thing: it has the reputation of advising people to do whatever it takes to gain and hold power that's sort of the that's when you hear and and in fact the word like i said the word has really negative connotations when someone says oh that guy's a machiavellian leader you don't think oh that's that's cool no you think oh he's underhanded and he's gonna stab people in the back to get get where he wants and there's definitely some parts and we'll get to it but the it's not that and the approach is much more balanced than people than people than he has the, than than people generally consider. It's just a much more balanced perspective. And like anything that talks about leadership and human nature, we can learn from it. So let's go to the book, The Prince by Machiavelli. Starts off here. Those who strive to this is this is an interesting. He's doing a little. He does some salesy stuff in here too. Yeah, and and I'll, there's a couple times where I have to I had to call it. I'm not calling out all of them, but he does some salesy salesy type stuff in here. Mm-hmm. So here's how he starts it off. Those who strive to obtain the good graces of a prince are accustomed to come before him with such things as they hold most precious, or in which they see him to take most delight. Whence one often sees horses, arms, cloth of gold, precious stones, and similar ornaments presented to princes worthy of their greatness. So he's saying, hey, if you want to get in good, you know, good graces with a prince, you bring him stuff, horses and gold and whatever. Then he says, desiring therefore to present myself to your magnificent with some testimony of my devotion towards you, I have not found among my possessions anything which I hold more dear than or value so much as the knowledge of the actions of great men acquired by long experience in contemporary affairs and a continual study of antiquity which having reflected upon and uh, which having reflected upon it with great and prolonged diligence i now send digested into a little volume to your magnificence that's pretty that's pretty cool he says look i i could give you gold but that's not really what's valuable to me. What's valuable to the most valuable thing I can give you is the knowledge that I have. Mm-hmm. The knowledge that I've had from studying and living through these things. Mm-hmm. And he continues. And although I may consider this work unworthy of your countenance, nevertheless, I trust much to your uh, benignity that it may be acceptable, seeing that it is not possible for me to make a better gift than to offer you the opportunity of understanding in the shortest time all that I have learnt in so many years and with so many troubles and dangers, which work I have not embellished with swelling or magnificent words nor stuffed with rounded periods. So he comes out of the gate, <laughs> right? He's a pretty arrogant dude. He's saying, listen, you are so lucky that I went through all this stuff and I'm just gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give you this little, nice little volume 
very plainly written, mm-hmm. which is almost like an excuse, right? Like there's no no there's no fancy words here. I'm just mm-hmm. giving it to you straight. Yeah. You know, I I'm no Shakespeare. Well, Shakespeare wasn't even around yet, mm-hmm. but he's saying it's very plainly written. And then he goes into it. So I think that's a pretty salesy opening, but hey, good good on him. He's trying to make it happen. Starts off talking about the difficulties that occur in a new principality. And principalities, use that word, that's the what the what the book is about. It's when you take over land from people. Mm. Um, <clears throat> here we go. Although one may be very strong in armed forces, yet in entering a province, one has always need of the goodwill of the natives. That's a great statement. Mm. Think about that statement. Think about it from a military perspective. Think about it from a business perspective. Mm. And this is something that uh, the U.S. military should always pay attention to. Hey, you can be strong and your armed forces can be strong, but you need the goodwill of the natives. Boom. There you go. Let's think about let's remember that one mm. in the world. You you and we we know we do our best to do that. America does its best to do that, but we don't always do a good job. Mm. And then the other thing is when you think about it from a business perspective, when you get an acquisition taking place, like it's cool you go in there and you got all the money to buy some little company, yeah. but if they all hate you, mm. hey, if you don't have the goodwill of the people that you just bought, yeah. you're gonna have some issues. I mm. promise you you're gonna have some issues. Yeah. Next up, those dominions which, when acquired, are added to an ancient state by him who acquires them are either of the same country and language or they are not. So he's saying, look, when you take someone over, they're either with the same language or they don't have the same language. Mm-hmm. When they are, it is easier to hold them, especially when they have not been accustomed to self-government. So if you take someone over and they speak your language and they've, you know, you took them over from someone else that was controlling them, mm-hmm. they'll be okay with that. Because they're not used to controlling themselves anyways. And then he goes on. But when states acquired in a country differing language, customs, or laws, there are difficulties. And good fortune and great energy are needed to hold them. And one of the greatest and most real helps would be that he who has acquired them should go reside there. So if they don't speak your language, if it's a different culture, guess what? you got to go there and you got to stay there. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. So they got to move there to so they can gain more understanding, gain more understanding, and, and learn also, the language and stuff like that, and also be there because yeah. you got to you got to be able to pay attention when rebellion is going to form against right, you. Right. If yeah. you're not there, and they speak a different language, yeah, and they have a dark. different culture, yeah. and you're not in the game, you're going to have some issues. Yeah, yeah. you're going to get blindsided. So you got to go in there. Got to get deep. You got to occupy that territory. Mm. Continuing on, men ought either to be well treated or crushed. Let me read that one again. Men ought either to be well treated or crushed because they can avenge themselves of lighter injuries. Of more serious ones, they cannot. Therefore, the injury that is to be done to a man ought to be of such kind that one does not stand in fear of revenge. Gotcha. So there's kind of classic Machiavellian thought. Yeah. If you're going to hurt someone, just completely annihilate them to the best of your ability. Yeah. Don't give them the ability to come back at you again. Yeah. And then on the other hand, treat them super good, right? So it's either treat or yeah, There's treat no in good. between yep. kind of deal. You either deal. treat them good or you crush them. Yeah. 
it's it's a it's a good statement, right? Yeah. And it takes this is a, something that it takes a uh, you know the will to completely destroy someone. It takes a lot of gall, right? You have to have the stomach to be able to do that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have the stomach to do that. So that's why I would say in most cases it's better to treat people well and have them come on board. And he and actually he says that too. But we'll get there. Back to the book in maintaining armed men. There in place of colonies, one spends much more having to consume on the garrison all of the income from the state so that the whole acquisition turns into a loss and many more are exasperated because the whole state is injured. That's what he's saying. So when you do have to go in and you have to smash and you have to keep people there to keep smashing, guess what? You're spending all this money, you're investing all these people, and it's so hard to keep it under control that it's not even worth it. The acquisition turns into a loss. Mm. So from a from a business perspective, you go into a company, you buy them, but then they're rebellious. So you got to fire everyone. You got to bring people in and retrain them, and you got to retake territory. And you lost customers because you because yeah. you didn't support during that time, and so you invest all this money. And guess what? Your acquisition ends up becoming a loss. Yeah. Whereas if you had a good relationship with these people and you went in there and you, they were able to kind of come on board with your culture and the way you were doing things, all of a sudden you move into a good scenario. Yeah. Keep it, keep keep it friendly if you can. Back to the book. What all prudent princes ought to do, who have to regard not only present troubles but also future ones, for which they must prepare with every energy, because when foreseen, it is easy to remedy them. But if you wait until they approach, the medicine is no longer in time because the malady has become incurable. There's some good stuff in this book. And this is one of them. This is Mm kind of obvious. Mm -hmm. But, hey, you need to look to the future. And when there's a problem coming, cut it off early. The Mm -hmm. earlier you solve the problem, the easier it's going to be. He continues. For it happens in this, as the physicians say it happens in hectic fever, that in the beginning of the malady, it is easy to cure, but difficult to detect. But in the course of time, not having been either detected or treated in the beginning, it becomes easy to detect, but difficult to cure. <laughs> it's like getting caught in an arm lock, right? Sure. If you see it coming, it's easy. Yeah. You just move your shoulder, you move your hips a little bit, whatever, you're out. Yeah. The further it goes down that path, yeah. the worse the situation gets. Yes. And it's the same thing. Also, you know when I've talked about having hard conversations with people, the earlier you have that hard conversation, the easier the hard conversation is to have. The longer you let it go, not only is it a harder conversation, but it's a conversation that's going to disrupt and cause more problems. Yeah. It's going to interfere with our relationship. If if I'm if I have to have a hard conversation with you, our our relationship isn't getting better, right? Mm-hmm. It's getting worse. Mm-hmm. So the ease, the earlier you solve these problems, the better off you're going to be. It continues. This, it happens in affairs of state. For when the evils that arise have been foreseen, which it is only given to a wise man to see, they can be quickly redressed. But when, through not having been foreseen, they have been permitted to grow in a way that everyone can see them, there is no longer a remedy. Keep your ears to the ground. 
So you got to hear what's coming. Therefore, the Romans, foreseeing troubles, dealt with them at once, and even to avoid a war, would not let them come to a head. For they knew that war is not to be avoided, but is only to be put off to the advantage of others. So every time you delay in getting that problem solved, you're not helping yourself. That's a good way to think about that. I haven't really thought about that way before. You know, I, I talk about the hard conversations, have them earlier, they're going to be easier. The only, if you're putting those those wars off, you're only helping the other person. The other you're person. only putting yourself into a worse situation. Okay, so the other person meaning the enemy? Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. yeah you're only helping the enemy. Hmm. Yeah. So attack those problems. Look, well, I think the first thing is pay attention, right? You got to pay attention to yeah. these problems that could be arising. Hard to detect. Hard to detect. Early on. And yeah. And then I like he says when everyone can see him, it's too late. Too late. Yeah. yeah. So you got to be gathering intelligence. You got to be paying attention. Back to the book. Because one can easily enter there by gaining over some baron of the kingdom, for one always finds malcontents and such as desire a change. So he's talking about when you're taking someone, when you're taking over like a kingdom. You, you can always find some people in the kingdom that are not happy mm. with, with the situation. Like you can go into a company and you can say, hey, it seems like you're, the way your processes work is real hard on you guys. Seems like they're not really invested. You can mm. always find some people that are mad inside of a kingdom. Yeah, That's what he's saying. He's saying to find them. Yeah, he, well, he's, here's he goes on. He says, such men, for the reasons given, can open the way into a state and render victory easy. But if you wish to hold it afterwards, you meet with infinite difficulties, both from those you have assisted and those you have crushed. Nor is it enough for you to have exterminated the family of the prince because the lords that remain make themselves the heads of fresh movements against you. And as you are unable to either satisfy or exterminate them, the state is lost whenever the time brings the opportunity." What you're dealing with there, if you're entering, if you find some people that are disloyal inside of a company Mm -hmm. and then you go and become friends with them and then you go in and take the company over, Mm -hmm. there's a chance. And what he's saying is like that disloyalty is is a trait. Yeah. And they're going to be disloyal to you too. So you need to, and you can't, you can't crush them. You can't exterminate them because you've developed uh, a relationship with them. And at the same time, you can't trust them. Yeah. So be careful with that. Yeah. Back to the book. Whenever those states which have been have been acquired as stated above have been accustomed to live under their own laws and in freedom, there are three courses for those who wish to hold them. So uh, obviously, I am skipping big chunks of the book, but what he's talking about is when you've taken over somewhere that is used to having their own laws and used to living in freedom, there's three different three different methods or approaches you can take if you want to hang on to them. Here we go. The first is to ruin them. The next is to reside there in person. The third is to permit them to live under their own laws, drawing a tribute and establishing within it an oligarchy which will keep it friendly to you. Very clever. Mm-hmm. Very clever. Very smart too. And I see again. I, I going back to business a lot because when you when you're dealing with a company that acquires other companies, like this is very real. 
If you've got a company, let's say you acquire, if you acquire part of, let's say you acquire part of a company that's been run by some uh, senior company, Mm -hmm. like a parent company, they're not used to making their own decisions. So when you come in and say, hey, now we're gonna help you out, you're gonna be kind of going along with us now. You're, Mm -hmm. You're under our command. If they're used to being commanded, they're like, oh, okay, new boss, but right. we'll deal with it. Yeah. But if they're if they've been if they they were their own company, they were they were on their own and they were doing whatever they wanted. They were living in total freedom. Yeah. And now you come in and say, yeah, now you got to start listening to my rules. Yeah. It's gonna be a problem. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, now like, uh, I don't agree with the fact that you have to crush them. I would prefer that you go right. in and form a relationship with them. But yeah. what he's saying is, look, if you go in there, so let's say I took over Echo's company. And you were used to freedom, and I was just like, hey, Echo, here's what's going on. Hey, here's some broad guidance, but I really like what you're doing. Mm. Keep doing it, man. Keep doing it. And then, you know, here's what you're going to pay me because I'm giving you some support. And you'd be like, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, what I will say, which he doesn't go into, is over time, I can start to get, first of all, build a relationship with you. Mm. Once I build a relationship with you, then I can start saying, hey, Echo, have you thought about doing this a little bit different over here? And hey, Echo, what are you about this? And hey, Echo, this other company that we own does it this way, and it's really efficient. Mm-hmm. Would you consider maybe seeing how that would work inside your with your team? Yeah. And so I would slowly move. But for me to come in and say, okay, Echo, we just closed the deal. Here's the new yeah, rules. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you go, hey, you go to your troops and say, I don't know if this is a good call. And yeah. I don't know. These guys think they know everything. And now all of a sudden we got a rebellion on our hands. Yep. So now I might have to crush it. Might. The whole idea of crushing seems pretty old school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and. As he said, when once you crush something, well, then you got to invest all kinds of things in it to, like, hey, so let's say let's say I bought your company and then you, you know, you rebelled against me, so I fired you. Mm-hmm. Well, now I got to bring someone on. I got to find someone that yeah. understands your business and the intricacies of your business. And guess what? That's not easy. Yeah. And guess what? Now I got to invest all this time in it myself, and I got to bring some some contractors in there to help out. Next thing you know, I'm upside down. Yeah. Whereas if I'd have just done a good deal with you and you know, kind of let you run things for a while and let build a relationship so that you actually would want to listen to me. That's different. That's better. Yeah. So yes, the idea of crushing people generally it's your, it's, it's not the preferred method. It's not ideal. Generally, sometimes is it required? Yes. Sometimes people need to get destroyed. That's, that's the way it is. Yeah. And when that's the way, cool. That's how that's lock how. and load, destroy. Did you used to watch football, or do you watch football? I don't watch much do you know football. Who Ronnie Lott is he's old school. Yes, he's I do know who Ronnie Lott is. Forty ers back in the day. Yeah, I don't know if this is true, but it's a rumor. I don't know. This is what I heard when I was young, where he would like he broke his finger, mm-hmm. his pinky, or I don't know, one right. of his fingers. He broke it, and you know he's trying to you know play. You got to play. He's a professional football player, so you can't just be out because your finger. So he'd play. You tape it up, and it kept just getting jammed up. Mm-hmm. So he just cut it off. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those deals, you know, where, you know, yeah, yeah, get rid of the finger, but you don't have a finger. Yeah. But if the thing is like, you know, jamming you up too much by being there, then you got to crush it. I heard a story, similar story about mm-hmm. Valigi. Valigi Ismail. You know, okay. the, the jiu-jitsu player? Yeah. Crazy jiu-jitsu player. Great jiu-jitsu player. Yeah. But he had crazy uh, cauliflower ears. Yeah. Like they just look like two two half tennis half baseballs on either side of his head yeah and i heard a story about him that he was just asking the doctor just cut him off cut off just cut him off just get rid of him no use (laughs) all they do is cause me problems just get rid of him yeah 
And so the doctor is that was considered like, hardcore? Kind of. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure that, well, then again, I guess it depends on the problems, right? I mean, because that's what, what well, think about what your ears, anything. what do your ears do for you? I guess, I guess they catch some sound and bring it into your ears. Yes. But if you're not hunting, right? And you don't necessarily need to hear super well. And by the way, once you have cauliflower ears and it starts going into your ear a little bit, yes. that's that's not good either for your for your hearing. hearing yeah. So his hearing might improve. Just get rid of those things. Yeah, I guess it depends <laughs> how bad his cauliflower. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, the, you know, cutting off your ears is a lot more that goes into that than a finger, I think, because. You know, I don't know. I mean, on a social level, you know, you get a guy with his ears <laughs> cut off true. on purpose, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, mm, okay, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, a little bit next level. Huh? Let's say you're a girl and you're like, hey, mom, dad, here's my new boyfriend. Th- have you never thought about like when, have you ever had cauliflower ear? No, not really. Oh, okay. Sometimes when you get cauliflower ear and it's preventing you from training, there's there's no doubt that the thought goes through your mind like, you know what? Hey, I'm in the game. You yeah. know, these things aren't doing me much good. Let me just get rid of these yeah. things. I could see how that could be, I guess, but mm-hmm. sorry, man, I can't get there. Not with the ears. Maybe the fingers. <laughs> I dig the fingers That's for sure. See, to me, so you can't. There's certain things you can't do if you lose your fingers. I.e., play guitar. Yeah, so that'd be a problem. Yeah, so I keep sure. I keep the uh, fingers yeah. more than the ears. Yeah, Given okay. the choice. All right, Brad, ears or fingers. <laughs> I don't. Right. Mind. You know what? Right. You you're more. Um, Sensitive to your appearance, I think, than I am. Aesthetically conscious, yeah, we'll yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that, yeah, sir, yes. I think so. <laughs> so you get your ears, I'm keeping my fingers. Yes, so I can okay. hammer on that get box. Good deal. Check. Well, that went off the rails a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right, going back to the book. A wise man ought always to follow the paths beaten by great men and to imitate those who have been supreme. So that if his ability does not equal theirs, at least it will savor of it. Let him act like the clever archers who, this is a good little statement. Let him act like the clever archers who, designing to hit the mark which yet appears too far distant and knowing the limits to which the strength of their bow attains, take take aim much higher than the mark. Not to reach them by their strength or arrow to so great a height, but to be able to, with the aid of so high an aim, hit the mark they wish they wish to reach. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a very clever way of putting it. Yeah. Hey, look, if I don't think I can hit this mark, I'm just going to aim a little bit higher. And, and then even though I might not reach the highest mark, I'll at least hit the mark I was... I'll get where I want to be. Intended, yeah. Yeah, fully. That's a, like, a good way to go through life. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, that's... You know, that's a, a, a tactic, technique, whatever, in like a lot of things like negotiation. Yeah. They say that do the same thing, right? Okay, I want to get, you know, I don't know, you go job interview, whatever. I want to make 100000 so I'm going to ask for like 120 He's going to negotiate down yep, and yep, I'll get my yep. 100 No, that's, that's true. Where this thing, I think sometimes people get this out of hand is it'll be like a sales organization. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, you know, they want to bring in. They want to do $5 million worth of sales in the next month. And so they say, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. $10 million. And they set an unrealistic goal. Mm. When you set an unrealistic goal that's not achievable, it's basically a meaningless goal. Yeah. So you have to you have to aim a little bit high, but it's got to be realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think, anyway, I'm just going off how I felt right there when you said that. Uh, if 
you know, someone sets this unrealistic goal, especially for you, that includes you, you mm-hmm. know, where like the failure of reaching that goal is kind of your, partly your failure. I, I think you'd kind of decrease my like enthusiasm. I've for seen the this happen. Yeah. yeah. You need to, that's why people need to be very careful in how they set their goals, that they set them high enough that it, 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 you try and get to it and maybe you don't quite get there. Cause let's face it. If you set a goal and you just easily make it, you should have set your goal a little bit higher. Yeah. You know, if you set a goal and it's not even close, no one even tries. Yeah. So you got to set a realistic goal. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. not going to work well. Yeah. And like people will be like salt, especially at work when people start setting goals all crazy, mm. like well, crazy that's, goals. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just watching the movie Major League. Remember that one? The, old, the yeah, first one. But I Charlie can't remember Sheen. what it was about. And they were like baseball. It was this thing where they, they, the owner was trying to like sell the team or something, mm-hmm. but for her to do that, they had to like lose oh, all the games okay, or something okay. like that. And if they didn't lose, then she would just replace the players with other players who who would lose, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it was uh, so everyone was all down about it, and the guy was like, "Well, there's only one thing to do: win the whole thing," you know, like that, right? Which is I I dig it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but at like a regular job. Well, it was for the movie too, obviously. So you got to have an inspirational storyline. But anyway, at, at your job, you know, let's say there's numbers we got to sure. meet, and then it's like, okay, dang, you're making me meet these crazy numbers, and they're unrealistic. They're above the, a normal yeah. good goal. They're way above. So it's like, okay, what does this mean now? Now I probably can't spend time with my family. Okay, now you're gonna freaking drive us into the ground, working and do all this stuff or whatever, going against my interests, you know as a human being. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to feel junk about that. I'm not going to like that. No, no one does. That's no my point. No one does. Even no one likes it in the business world and no one liked it at major league either. <laughs> well, that was, you know, different. They did like it. Check. All right, moving on. Now, as the fact of becoming a prince from private station presupposes either ability or fortune, and he uses the word fortune a lot to mean like pretty much luck, it is clear that one or the other of these things will mitigate in some degree many difficulties. Nevertheless, he was relied least on fortune is established the strongest. Makes sense. So when, you, when, when you're in a leadership position, if you got there because you're lucky, it's gonna be harder for you to maintain a good position as a leader. Mm-hmm. If you got there because of your skill, and what is it, what's the other thing he says? Because your ability, if you get there because of your ability, people are gonna respect you more. Yeah. You, just, you just got there by luck. Mm-hmm. Those who by valorous ways become princes acquire a principality with difficulty, but they keep it with ease. The difficulties they have in acquiring it rise in part from the new rules and method methods which they are forced to introduce to establish their government and its security. So when you have a hard time getting into power and you do it by boldness, once you're there, it's gonna be easier for you to do it because you had to make all these maneuvers. Yeah. You had to figure things out in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Continuing, and it ought to be remembered that there's nothing more difficult, oh, this is a good one. There's nothing more difficult to take in hand, more perilous to conduct, or more uncertain in its success than to take the lead in the introduction of a new order of things. So there's nothing harder than trying to come in and introduce a new order of things. Nothing harder than that. And here's the reasons. Because the innovator has for enemies all those who have done well under the old conditions. And lukewarm defenders in those who may do well under the new. 
So you got people that are entrenched that like, hey man, we've been doing this for 20 right. years, I'm not changing it. Mm-hmm. And you got someone else saying, well, it could work better. That, right. That's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's not a good comparison. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a fair fight. Yeah. Because those people that are already know it works, they know it works. Yeah. And you got someone that I think the new thing will work. Yeah. It's a mismatch. Continuing on, this coolness arises partly from fear of the opponents who have the laws on their side and partly from the incredulity of men who do not readily believe in new things until they have had long experience of them. So you got people that have been doing this forever, like I just said, you got someone that's hasn't really figured out if this new thing's gonna work and it's just a mismatch. So they're skeptical. Continuing, those who solely by good fortune become princes from being private citizens have little trouble in rising, but much trouble in keeping atop. They have not had any difficulties on the way up because they fly but they have many when they reach the summit. This is a good one. The people that kind of get lucky and end up in a in a senior position, in a leadership position, mm. they got lucky. Mm. And so there's no trouble getting there, they got lucky. Yeah. They flew there. Yeah. But then he says they have trouble when they reach the summit. Mm. Continuing on, such are those to whom some state is given either for money or by favor of, of him who bestows it. So, that, you know, you see this going through buds, actually. There's some people that were like incredible athletes mm-hmm. and they never failed anything before in their life. And all of a sudden they show up and they start failing things yeah. and it breaks them. Yeah. Or they're great athletes going through buds and it's, because if you're a great athlete, well then buds is kind of easy. And then you show up at a SEAL team, things aren't easy because it's not just athletics in the SEAL teams. It's yeah. not an athletic game in the SEAL team. As a matter of fact, I was just talking about this the other day the athletic capability of a, of a SEAL or of a special operations. It's like, sure, you get some great athletes in there, yeah. but you put on a rucksack and hump, you know, 10 kilometers, mm. that's not an athletically gifted, you, you, as an athletic, it's not an athletic skill test. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not. Like, yeah, you gotta be in good shape, for sure. But whether this guy played college football and this guy didn't. You put on that rucksack and start, start humping. Yeah. You can't tell who's who. Yeah. You know. Occasionally, you might be able to. You got to. You you can make some assumptions that the that the football player. You know, he's an athletic person, but it's not an athletic game. Yeah. The uh, same with like shooting. Like, okay, you get someone that's got great hand eye coordination. They're probably going to be a pretty good shot. Not necessarily though. Yeah. I knew some guys that were great athletes. Weren't good shots, yeah. and vice versa. Knew some guys that were great athletes, and they were great shots. They had great hand-eye coordination. So, it's not really there's not really this athletic challenge. So my point is, you get someone that sails through buds because they're a great athlete. Because because buds is more of an athletic pursuit. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like okay, you got to run, you yeah. got to do pull-ups, you got to do the obstacle course. There's more athleticism involved in getting through buds. Once you get through buds, then it's like oh, you have to think. You have to gut through hard things while you're thinking. Yeah. So there's some guys that I went through with that got a little tripped up when they got to the teams, even though they did not have a hard time at all with mm. buds. They got to the teams, they got tripped up on things because 
they just they just kind of got in their own way, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, good good guys, hard guys, but you just think, man, just you need to think a little bit more. Yeah, dealing with certain mental anguish while you do other things. Yeah, like the dealing yeah. with it. Yeah, you got to make decisions when you're tired. Yeah, you got to stay awake when you're tired. You got to, you, yeah, like all those things. Oh, there's stress going on and you're freaking out. Well, guess what? You still got to decide that you got to make something happen and you got to go do it. Yeah, where it's easy to just go curl up in a ball, to right? Go, take a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Continuing such, and he's talking about these people that were kind of given luck or, or bought their way into their position. Such stands simply elevated upon the goodwill and the fortune of him who has elevated them. Two most inconsistent and unstable things. Neither have they the knowledge requisite for the position because unless they are men of great worth and ability, it is not reasonable to expect that they should know how to command having always lived in private condition. So you get somebody that gets thrown into a, to a leadership position and they haven't done anything to earn their position here, they're going to be an experience that's going to be hard for them. Yeah. Same thing with, uh, I mean, you, maybe you see it now, maybe you don't, but or in jujitsu, where you know the, you know, a young guy or whatever, um, he'll he'll develop or he'll have a certain body type or I don't know whatever he'll develop like this certain move mm-hmm. that'll be kind of new to everyone. Like no one's ever seen these yep. these this system or this yep. move or whatever, and they'll get guys and yeah. he'll get guys and in, in, in win tournaments mm-hmm. and start winning tournaments and be like, and the instructor's like, dang, this guy's killing these tournaments here. Let's give him his blue belt, brown belt, mm-hmm. you know, all the way up. He gets his like brown belt, black belt because he wins tournaments dang. more so than because of like his, his well rounded, s- yeah, skill set and knowledge. So which kind of makes sense, right? I mean, shoot, if yeah, he's, if he's winning. If he's tapping everyone out in the tournament in, you know, all the lower belts, of course, he's going to get his belt. Makes sense. But later on, you know, as time goes on and one of the things is like, okay, they'll just figure out the move. Yeah. Just figure out the, the answer to that move. What else is left? Nothing. Uh, isn't you know, it crazy gonna... that if you know the move, like, isn't it crazy in Jiu-Jitsu, first of all, that if you know how to defend something, you can stop something. If you don't know it, you get tapped. If you know it, you can get out. Yes. That's so crazy. Yeah, and and what's really crazy is that's the way life is. That's the way leadership is. Yeah. Like when I talk to companies, and I'll be talking to some leader, and I'm like, "Hey, here's what you need to say in a situation like this," and it's it's like they can now escape this position that they're in because yes. they can, oh, oh yeah, here's what you should say. Yeah, and they say, "Oh, you can see it, look in their eyes," yeah. and then they'll call me. And say, dude, I, I, I did that. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you wouldn't like believe it. Charm. The whole team turned around. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, big shocker. Man, there's yeah. moves that you can make. There's tactical maneuvers that you can make. Yeah. And if you know them, you'll you'll escape the position. Yeah. If you don't know them, you'll get destroyed. Yeah. And, and so to them. to where you're going with this is sometimes somebody develops something or they get really good at something, and as soon as soon as some people know it's coming, yeah, they can just stop it. And then all of a sudden yeah. they start losing tournaments. They get to purple belt. They start losing tournaments. Yeah, because of this. And I was going to say, said. see, it's unrealistic in my opinion that someone would be really good at a move and go all the way to black belt based on that move. That's not realistic. Yeah. They'll get somebody will people will figure it out and they'll have to round out their game before they get brown belt, black belt. Yeah. Right. So you were getting a little crazy there. Yeah. More right? for the example, but there okay. is this one, and I don't know the girl's name, but it was, um, it was. 
I don't know the girl's name, but she was a brown belt. Mm-hmm. But she had been a brown belt. Like she, st- it took her like two years or so. It's something super fast to get to brown belt. To get to brown belt mm-hmm. because of, and I th- if I'm not mistaken, she would do like a reverse triangle all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe a regular triangle. I'm not sure. And then um, I don't know. Then I think it, uh, I could be getting the names wrong, mm-hmm. but I think it was Penny Thomas, mm-hmm. who, and she ended up fighting Penny Thomas, and Penny Thomas beat her. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, the new hotness, the new girl coming up, or whatever. And um, I think it was Joel who mentioned like this exact thing yeah. that he's talking about, where it's like, yeah, like to be a real brown belt and compete at the top level, you got to have a well-rounded game, yeah, essentially, yeah. you yeah. know, because you yeah. can't just, you can't, just like what you said, like you, you make it up to brown and black for a reason, brown and black belt, you can't just do it with one move. Yeah. Because that's not what a brown belt and really that's is. What, when you get someone that's really good, they know about all the different moves. Yeah. You know, it's, it always surprises me. Yeah. Dean will be able to answer a question about moves that he doesn't actually do in a normal basis. Yeah. You know, like, know, yeah. yeah. He knows exactly how to do it. He knows how to defend it. He knows how to set it up, but he doesn't actually do that move. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's how good you got to be. Yeah. The other weird thing is you get you catch someone like Dean in a position that's totally new, you know, just some random, and he actually knows like a thing to do to get out of it right you know yeah and you think how do you like how do you know that yeah you know some weird like leg ride position he's like oh if you turn your knee outward and then you pinch your ankles you'll you'll it'll make them adjust and then you can come up on the arm and you can get out and you're like wait yeah how do you know that i've never been in this position i've been doing jujitsu for 25 years and i've never been in this position before now you're telling me that this is just you, you know this. That's how you do. Yeah, and he probably some of these positions he's probably never been in. It's like code. It's like writing code where if you kind of know the certain like general rules to mm-hmm. things, you can start figuring it figuring it out. You know, yeah. like and someone like Dean, who's like, I mean, Dean's that's, an exceptional that's dude. No, but that, that's the thing. There's a difference between what I'm talking about because what I'm talking about is he actually knows specifically. He's not like, hey, here's what would work based on the general rules of grappling. Right. He's like, no. Here's what you do in this specific situation. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. But that's just completely well-rounded. Yeah. Like, that's just completely well-rounded. So you're saying at some point he he has had that experience with that move. Yes. He's, in one way or another. He's yeah. done it some way or another, and he said, oh. Or he's done a much narrower approach of what you're talking about. Like, he is not maybe not that exact thing, but it's so close that he's like, yeah. here's what happens, and here's yeah. what's going on. Yeah, it's so like yeah, similar can, but not the same. Like he goes beyond just having the principles. It's like principles coupled with experience. Yes, yeah, yeah, coupled with knowledge. Yeah, and D- yeah, Dean's mind for that is yeah, is really it's, it's crazy, it's uncanny. You know, with that as far as like his knowledge and what he can sort of figure out or whatever. It's almost yeah. like while you're doing what you do during the day, he's like in a room just thinking about it. You would time. think what it you would think like. that you yeah. would think that he's sitting around with like four screens like youtube screens and he's watching different things at once and then he has some sort of like weird uh uh control where he can view different angles and and comprehend them but no he has a weird because i know he doesn't do that yeah he used to do it though (laughs) but he has a weird um he's got his mind is just made to do that his mind is just has a a greater understanding of it than a normal person yeah. And even an abnormal person. Yeah. But yeah, that makes sense. Like, we, you know, if you're, if you're, 
thorough or thoroughly trained or have a lot right. of experience right. and you, you've been through the pitfalls ups downs yeah. you know you kind of yeah. that that light is kind of on for you but if you just sort of lock out well yeah you know we work with companies we work with like startup companies where it's not that the people haven't scrapped to get where they are but you know you get funded and you got 12 people on your team and then all of a sudden you get a massive funding and you're expecting to roll into production or something and and you look up and you've got 180 people you don't have any experience as a leader yeah and you're expected to lead and that's you know uh, a situation that echelon front gets involved in because the investors will come and say hey look we got these guys over here they're awesome guys they're (laughs) working hard guess what they got propelled into this position they're awesome at their job they don't know how to lead yet can you help them yes that's what we do roll in and make it happen makes sense you can't expect someone to know how to lead if they've never been in a leadership position before. Yeah. Can some people pull it off? Yes. It's not a big number, though. Yeah. It's not a big number. <laughs> Continuing. Ooh, this is a good one. He who has not first laid his foundations may be able with great ability to lay them afterwards, but they will be laid with trouble to the architect and danger to the building. <laughs> So lay a good foundation. This is another another thing that's important when it comes to jiu-jitsu. Don't be learning the go-go plata day four. But they're just so fun to I learn. I know, I know. Ta- but you know. people want to learn that go-go plata, yeah. and they don't know how to do a straight arm lock. Yeah. That's a problem. And that's why, though, right? I mean, even like this, that's why like people won't focus on the foundation because like that part's not as like fun, short-term payoff type For scenario. Sure. It's more yeah. fun. It's go, yeah. go go plata is more fun. Well, look at that. It looks fancy. It looks cool. Yeah, it's like um, I think it was Dean was he was teaching a class and he was teaching uh, like how to fall or something mm-hmm. like that. Not for a long time, just a little bit. And then uh, he was teaching like a position or whatever. This is actually a while ago. Um, and then towards the end. He was like, all right, all right, all right. Kind of like, no one said anything. Like, hey, when are we going to learn? Blah, blah, blah. No one said anything. But Dean said it as if people were saying, well, when are we going to learn something fun? Kind of thing. So Dean was like, all right, all right. I'll teach you a submission. Kind of like that, you know, because he knew. He knows, like, the submission hold is the fun part to learn in jujitsu. I mean, as far as the spectrum. Especially when you start. Yes. When you start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully, fully. That's Cause, true. Because you just, you know, you think, oh, well, I don't understand why it's good for me to lay it this way on some other human. Yeah. Or that shrimp make... across the room. Yeah. Like, what the heck is that? It's boring. That's laying a good foundation. foundation. That's what that is. Yes, sir. Otherwise, you've got to do it, and it's going to be hard to do. Th- same yes. thing with businesses. When you start a business, start it with a good foundation mm-hmm. so you don't have to go back in there afterwards and perform surgery on something that's already been constructed. All right. Now, this is Machiavellian in a pretty serious way. The name of this one is called, or this is, I would say, this is kind of what stems some of the reputation. Concerning those who have obtained a principality by wickedness. And I say this establishes, but this actually goes against sort of that standard Machiavellian attitude. So here we go. This is one of the historical uh, examples that he gives that I'm actually going to read because it's pretty, pretty cool. Agathocles, the Sicilian, became king of Syracuse not only from a private, but from a low 
and abject position. This man, the son of a potter, through all the changes in his fortunes, always led an infamous life. Nevertheless, he accompanied his infamies with so much ability of mind and body Having devoted himself to the military profession, he rose through its ranks to be praetor of Syracuse. Being established in that position and having deliberately resolved to make himself prince and to seize by violence without obligation to others that which had been conceded to him by assent, he came to an understanding for this purpose with with Amilcar the Carthaginian who with his army, was fighting in Sicily. One morning, he assembled the people and the Senate of Syracuse, as if he had to discuss with them things relating to the Republic. And, at a given signal, the soldiers killed all the senators and the richest of the people. These dead, he seized and held the princedom of that city without any civil commotion. And although he was twice routed by the Carthaginians, he ultimately and ultimately besieged, yet not only was he able to defend his city, but leaving part of his men for its defense, with others he attacked Africa and in a short time raised the siege of Syracuse. The Carthaginians, reduced to extreme necessity, were compelled to come to terms with Agathocles and leaving Sicily to him had to be content with the possession of Africa. So this guy is is just gets after it and <laughs> destroys people and kills people in order to get into a good position. Now you might think that Machiavelli would say, hey, that's great. Here's what he actually says, back to the book. Yet it cannot be called talent to slay fellow citizens, to deceive friends, to be without faith, without mercy, without religion. Such methods may gain empire, but not glory. Still, if the courage of Agathocles in entering into the end and extricating himself from the dangers be considered together with his greatness of mind in enduring and overcoming hardships, it cannot be seen why he should be less esteemed than the most notable captain. Well, then he is given a little credit. But then he goes back again. Nevertheless, his barbarous cruelty and inhumanity with infinite wickedness do not permit him to be celebrated among the most excellent men. What he achieved can what he achieved cannot be attributed to either fortune or genius. So, and I'll go one step further because this is what I think. I think that when you behave in that manner, it'll come back to you. Yeah, it'll come back to you. And I'm not saying it's going to come back to you in a karmic way, dude. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying when you when you inflict damage on people, they remember it. Yeah, and there will be a time, in some point, when they will have the opportunity to rain down vengeance upon you. Yeah. So, if you act that way, you're going to you're going to get yours. Yeah. And so, if you treat people with respect and you treat people as you would like to be treated, then it's fine. And when the opportunity arises for them to crush you, they'll remember how you treated them and you treated them well and they say, "Okay, you know what? We're going to give this guy a pass." Yeah. But when you screw people over, they're going to screw you back. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Continuing on, it has to be remarked that in seizing a state, the usurper ought to examine closely all those injuries which it is necessary for him to inflict and do them all at one stroke so as to not have to repeat them daily and thus by not unsettling men, he will be able to reassure them and win them to himself by benefits. This is a good one. 
if you gonna if you gotta cause damage, rip the bandaid off. That's what he's saying. Yeah, Do it yeah. all at once. Yeah. So if you're going into a business and you're like, okay, we're gonna have to eliminate some people. Mm. Don't eliminate two guys today and then two guys in a week and then three days, three guys in a month and then three people in two weeks and and you just everyone now everyone's walking around. They're scared of getting destroyed. Yeah. They're scared of getting fired. They don't trust you. Mm. You go in, you go, okay, hey, here's sorry. Hey, there's some changes. There's some reductions we got to make. Here it is. There's 28 people. They're going away. What's left? We're going to go forward and mm-hmm. we're going to conquer. Yeah. He who does otherwise, either from timidity or evil advice, is always compelled to keep the knife in his hand. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Neither can he rely on his subjects, nor can they attach themselves to him owing to their continued and repeated wrongs. So you keep stabbing people. Every once in a while, every two or three days, I cut someone's head off. Yeah. These guys are just, you know, first of all, I got to walk around with my knife all the time. Yeah. And they're thinking, oh, I see what he's all about. Yeah. Continuing, for injuries ought to be done all at one time so that being tasted less, they offend less. Benefits ought to be given little by little so that the flavors of them may last longer. Oh, so you don't go and give everyone a yearly bonus at the beginning of the year. Mm. Hey, here's all this money. No, you go, hey, look, it's good, it's good quarter or good month last month. Mm-hmm. Got a little something for you. Yep. That tastes last longer. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, I recommend that with children. Okay, good. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You don't give them the big reward. You make them, you, you, you got to earn it. Yeah. You got to earn it. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it going. Yeah. Continuing, and above all things, a prince ought to live amongst his people in such a way that no unexpected circumstances, whether of good or evil, shall make him change. Because if the necessity for this comes in troubled times, you are too late for harsh measures, and mild ones will not help you, for they will be considered as forced from you, and no one will be under any obligation to you for them. So what he's saying there is stay balanced. Mm-hmm. So if you if things are going well in your company, mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, bonuses all around. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden things get lean and you're like, well, no more bonuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the other hand is like, oh, things are going rough and you're like, we're not giving anyone anything. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is stay balanced. Hey, here's the budget. Here's our projected budget. Here's what we're going to give out. Here's what we're planning to give out. It may vary a little bit on, you know, up or down from there, depending on the market and depending on how we're doing and depending on what the future like you want to be balanced. Don't go hardcore and want extreme or the other. Yeah. Next, where a leading citizen becomes the prince of his country, not by wickedness or any intolerable violence, but by the favor of his fellow citizens, this may be called a civil principality. Nor is genius or fortune altogether necessary to attain it, but rather a happy shrewdness. And this seems to be the most positive thing that he, this happy shrewdness, like, oh, you're making good shrewd decisions and that's how you come into power and people are happy with it. Mm. Like that seems like the best uh, possible way to take over according to this. Continuing, one cannot by fair dealing and without injury to others satisfy the nobles. But if you can satisfy the people 
for their object is more righteous than that of the nobles, the latter wishing to oppress, and the former only desire not to be oppressed. So who's more important, the nobles or the people? The people. That's not very Machiavellian. No. Or it's not the tradish Machiavellian consideration. Mm Mm-hmm. It is to be added also that a prince can never secure himself against a hostile people because of there being too many, whilst from nobles he can secure himself as they are few in number. Hmm. Make a connection with your people. Continuing, the worst that a prince may expect from a hostile people is to be abandoned by them. But from hostile nobles, he has not only to fear abandonment, but also that they will rise against him. For they, being in these affairs more far-seeing and astute, always come forward in a time to save themselves and to obtain favors from him whom they expect to prevail. And he goes on about these nobles a little bit more. Nobles ought to be looked at mainly in two ways. They either shape their course in such a way as binds them entirely to your fortune or they don't. So there's two, di- two different kind of people you'll have with you. Mm-hmm. People that just get on board or don't. Yeah. They, get on, they get on board or they don't. And then he says, when for their own ambitious ends, they shun binding themselves it is a token that they are giving more thought to themselves than to you. And a prince ought to guard against such and to fear them as if they were open enemies. Because in adversity, they will always help to ruin you. Someone that's not on board, someone that's looking out for themselves. Someone that's looking out for themselves and not looking out for you, it's a problem, real problem. It's an, you treat them like an open enemy or mm. view them, fear them as if they're an open enemy. Yeah. And then he continues, but one who in opposition to the people becomes a prince by the favor of nobles ought above everything seek to win the people over to himself. And this he may easily do if he takes them under his protection. Because men, when they receive good from him, of whom they were expecting evil, are more bound are bound more closely than to their benefactor. Thus, people quickly become more devoted to him. So, he, again, he's all about connecting with the troops, mm-hmm. connecting with the troops. And if they think you're going to treat them like crap, and then you treat them well, they're like doubly devoted to you. Yeah, feels better. That's why mm-hmm. the expectation thing. See, and I'm going to explain that to you too with. Uh, with comfort you know like you know you can if you're in bed and then you know you hear i don't know a chicken outside or something mm. or like a okay. chainsaw like a block away or something you're like oh i can't relax with that noise or whatever mm-hmm. because you expect to be real comfortable in your bed oh, yeah, kind yeah. of thing but you go lay on some chair or sit on a chair and, and it's surprisingly comfortable <laughs> right you'll fall asleep real quick you know what I'm saying? so it's kind of oh, the same deal with yeah, the with the person sure. with the people though you, machiavellian you know. naps bro that's what i'm talking about <laughs> i'm just saying when you when you you know yeah like oh this guy's gonna be a dick you yeah. know and then even even like just on a normal social level you know yeah. you know when you oh he's gonna be dead and you meet him up like a like, you know, movie stars, right? Let's say they always play a bad guy or oh, something yeah, like yeah. that. And this goes both ways, too. 
um, and you know you meet the movie star in person and they're all nice you know but you're used to them playing the bad guy so mm. you have this weird subconscious expectation then you just love that guy or you whatever think that you know whoever they play that that's how they are yeah it's like subconscious whatever. And, do, but do you think that those people that play a bad guy all the time when in real life they feel like hey, everyone views me like I'm a jerk so I'm gonna be super nice maybe maybe <laughs> but actually you know what I actually hear more of about the opposite where it's oh, like this, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. good guy you know he's always he's playing the good guy or maybe on some show or something like that that guy's a jerk yeah you know you meet him in real life he's not like that anyway same yeah. deal yeah expectations mean a lot is what you're getting at yep including leadership perspective and napping perspective yes and meeting <laughs> movie stars or whatever yes here we go a prince who can command and is a man of courage, undismayed in, adver- in, in adversity, who does not fail in other qualifications, and who, by his resolution and energy, keeps the whole people encouraged, such a one will never find himself deceived in them, and it will be shown that he has laid his foundations well. Uh, again, this is not what people think Machia- uh, Machiavelli was talking about. Mm. It's not what they think. He's saying, build a relationship, be strong, give to your people. Continuing, a wise prince ought to adopt such a course that his citizens will always, in every sort and kind of circumstance, have need of the state and of him, and then he will always find them faithful. Well, that one's a little bit, that one's a little bit, hey, well, you know, you need you need me here. Yeah. That one's a little bit Machiavelli, tradition. <laughs> Machiavelli. Yeah. Continuing, whoever shall fortify his town and shall have managed the other concerns of his subjects well and to be often repeated will never be attacked without great caution. For men are always adverse to enterprises where difficulties can be seen and it will be seen not to be an easy thing to attack one who has his town well fortified and is not hated by his people. Again. Try and build relationships with your people. That's what he's saying. A prince who has a strong city and has not made himself odious will not be attacked. Or if anyone should attack, he will only be driven off with disgrace. Same same thing. Like if you've got a good, if your people support you, you can get attacked and you're going to drive that person off that attacks you, drive them off in disgrace. quick one here that the arms with which a prince defends his state are either his own or they are mercenaries auxiliaries or mixed and when he says auxiliaries he's talking about how if you have an ally you can use their troops Mm -hmm. right so if you and I are allies and I'm like hey echo I'm being attacked over here you can send me some troops those are my auxiliary troops Mm -hmm. mercenaries and auxiliaries are useless and dangerous and if one holds his state based on these arms, he will stand neither for, firm nor safe, for they are disunited, ambitious, ambitious, and without discipline, unfaithful, valiant before friends, cowardly before enemies. They have neither the fear of God nor fidelity to men, and destruction is deferred only so long as the attack is. For in peace, one is robbed by them, and in war by the enemy." The fact is they have no other attraction or reason for keeping the field than a trifle of a stipend which is not sufficient to make them willing to die for you. They are already enough 
They are ready enough to be your soldiers whilst you do not make war. But if war comes, they take themselves off or run from the foe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got a friend that does like high level security. Mm-hmm. And they were go- he was going through like a high level briefing plan. If in in like a serious disaster scenario mm-hmm. with a high paying client and he was basically had incorporated into the plan his own family mm-hmm. so okay echoes the high paying client client you come to me and say hey i want if there's a if there's a tr- a, a complete catastrophe we're mm-hmm. talking chem bio breakout zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. what's the plan and he goes, okay, here's the plan. He came up with a plan and he put, I said, okay, Echo, here's the plan. Here's what's gonna happen. Here's where my family's gonna be. And the guy's like, what do you mean? You're like, your family? I'm not worried about your family. The security guy's family. Security guy said, hey, I'm not, the security guy's, yes, I will be bringing my family. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, wait, why, am, why are you bringing your family? He says, because if I'm not bringing my family, I'm not gonna be there to help you survive. Yeah. And the guy says, okay, <laughs> fair enough, yeah. right? Yes. Hey, we've got a bunker to go to. I'll get you to the bunker, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna leave my family. Yeah. And then you think I'm gonna defend your bunker when my family's out with the yeah. zombies? No. <laughs> no, no. The best thing you could possibly do is let me bring my family in the bunker, because then I will die before I give up the bunker. If it's just you, I love you. I appreciate you're giving me money, <laughs> but I'm gonna take yeah. care of my family first. Yeah. So think about that. It's a squared away plan, right? Yeah. You actually embed yourself inside my family and you're going to be safe. Yeah. I'll use some of your money to to prepare for the situation, but then we'll be ready. Yeah. We're all one team now. Yeah. <laughs> so that turns someone from a mercenary into, you know, like part of the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing on, the mercenary captains are either capable men or they are not. If they are, you cannot trust them because they always aspire to their own greatness, either by oppressing you who are their master or others contrary to your intentions. But if the captain is not skillful, you are ruined the usual way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just the usual way of being ruined. You know what that is. That means you just get hacked to death on the battlefield. That's what it means. Lose-lose with the mercenaries. The mercenary is a lose-lose scenario. Yeah. Continuing, a prince ought to have no, oh, let's get in the zone for this one. A prince ought to have no other aim or thought, nor select anything else for his study than war and its rules and discipline. For this is the sole art that belongs to him who rules. And it is of such force that it not only upholds those who are born princes, but it often enables men to rise from a private station to that rank. And on the contrary, it is seen that when princes have thought more of ease than of arms, they have lost their states. And the first cause of your losing it is to neglect this art. And what enables you to acquire a state is to be the master of the art. So there you go. That's yeah. general rules for everyone. Study nothing but war. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
It is it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to go back that far to where the the way things are going to be is settled by war 100%. And you could still say that's true today. I mean, when yeah. diplomacy fails, you go to war. Yeah. That's the way it works. You and I can have a conversation. If that conversation fails, what's going to happen? Agree to disagree. Mm. <laughs> I'm not agreeing to that. It turns into a scrap. Yeah. yeah. So I better study. Yeah. Now, if if one of us knows that the other one is going to win on the field of battle, that's going to make that person a little bit more apt to agree, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or agree to disagree, whichever. No, well, the one person might have to agree. All right. Otherwise, they're getting choked. <laughs> uh, all right. So now he talks about how, how you, continuing on. A prince who does not understand the art of war over and above the other misfortunes already mentioned cannot be respected by his soldiers, nor can he rely on them. He ought never, therefore, to have his thoughts, this, to have out of his thoughts this subject of war. And in peace, he should addict himself more to its exercise than in war. This he can do in two ways, the one by action, the other by study. So he's saying that in peacetime, you can actually addict yourself more to exercising war than you can in war itself. So when it's time to prepare, you prepare. Even when there's not war going on, that's when you get ready. You don't wait until you're getting attacked to start training jujitsu. Yeah. You start now. Yeah. I've had that argument with people that said, well, the thing is it takes a really t- long time to get good at jujitsu. Yeah. Hey, when are you gonna be attacked? Yeah. Well, I don't know. If yeah. you get attacked tomorrow, that's a bummer. But you're probably not gonna get attacked tomorrow. You're yeah. gonna get attacked in six months. You're gonna get, you might get attacked in a year. You might get attacked in four years. Yeah. You can be really good by that time. Yeah. Yeah, there was an article. I think you even came across it. You might even have commented on it online. Mm-hmm. And in the article, it was like some things that you shouldn't focus on or whatever mm-hmm. as a man or something oh. like this. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a fake article. And so I yeah. still think, I mean, I don't know if it was real or not, but whatever. Let's just say it was real. Um, and it was like fighting. It said fighting. That's the most wrong thing I've heard. Yeah. And I the, actually agree that, oh, I actually think that this is so high up. I kind of agree that this with this statement. Like you should focus on this. This would be really high in your in your focus in in life. Yeah, and it really comes down to a safety thing, really. And look, yeah, it definitely comes down to a safety thing. I'm not I'm not saying like, hey, just study jujitsu, just study MMA. I, I, I'm not saying that, right? Because those shouldn't be your primary interests unless you're a fighter, right? And there's some people that are so into whatever. They get so into jiu-jitsu that the rest of their life falls apart. Yeah. I'm not recommending that, right? Yeah. I want you to have a good, well-balanced life. But if you make jiu-jitsu a part of it, it's going to be better. Yes, It's going to be better. It's going to adapt to everything else. It's going to teach you about other things. Yeah, and that's not to mention you can fight if you want. And not to mention Peter Atia. He's like, uh, he mentioned something about, what was it? It was something to do with golf. Like basically he was saying, you have to put all this effort in and it's too frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait till you try jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone else, and he said, that's why I'm not doing it or something like that. Yeah. And, or he said something along those lines. And then I said something like, oh no, someone else chimed in. Hey, golf doesn't teach you anything. Like golf has, what transferable skills to life does golf have? 
Yeah. Hey, I'm not hating on golf. If you like golf, cool. More power to you as yeah. far as I'm concerned. But you're not going to be able to take the skills of a putt and bring them to. Now, okay, well, let's let's reach here. I guess you will because, you know, you're going to be able to relax. You're going to learn how to get mental focus. So that's good. Yes. Good in that perspective. We'll give credit. But direct transferable physical uh, techniques, very limited. Limited, especially when you start comparing them to jiu-jitsu. Because yeah. where golf can like, give you some of the same things that, that like when I talk about shooting, like when yeah. you get good at shooting, it yeah. gives golf can give you some of those same things because yeah. you're you're under pressure. You got to focus. You got to put the last shot out of your mind. You got to focus on what you're actually doing. You can't worry about the next shot. So there's a lot of things that it can help there. Yeah, and there's some motor skill stuff. Yeah, in some there motor skill stuff for like sure. Legit, yeah. yeah. But I cut you off. What were you saying? Um, what was I saying? About I don't know because I was I was super hyped on whatever I was about to say. Oh, the article, the the, the weird oh, article. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like fighting. You shouldn't, you know, fight or whatever. And what made it even worse, like a lot worse, is the explanation as to why. What was the reason why? So, if I remember correctly, it was because you shouldn't be fighting. That's why. It's yes, like yeah, right. you you only fight if you lose your temper. You know, like you, no, you, know, you shouldn't. Wrong. It's ba- it, yeah. in a nutshell. He said because you shouldn't be fighting, yeah. so you shouldn't focus on 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 learning how to fight or whatever. Here's here's the the ultimate dichotomy in this situation. The more you, the better you can fight, the less you're going to have to fight. Exactly right. And most of us, in fact, I would, I would I'm almost tempted to say it, all of us, everybody who is a trained fighter, unless you're talking about competition. You don't train to fight so you can go get into fights with people. No. That's not the way, the reason, not even like a little bit of the reason. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can't think of anyone that I've known in training jujitsu that their goal is like, hey, I'm doing this so I can go uh, antagonize people and actually get in, get myself into, into fights. fights yeah. There's no one that, you're right, there's no one I that trains I haven't. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple yeah. complete... Uh, jerks somewhere out there that have done that, but like I haven't known any. Yeah, and even thinking about that, it'd be like, isn't that that'd be weird? Yeah, it would seem like, weird. Like for someone it's to be different like that. when someone's like a bouncer, right? Oh, you were a bouncer, yeah. right? And it's right. like, oh, I want to know how to handle myself if I get into a fight. Yeah, but you rather just be polite to people until it was was <laughs> be polite, right? No, be until nice, when? Be nice until it's time to not be nice. Yeah, that's what I'm that's talking it. about. Don't that's the way we it. used to do it, right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right That's but the even then even then by no means it's literally the opposite direction it's not so i know how to go fight guys you know it's more so you know what to do in the yeah. event of a fight now i will say this i have to look at this from a perspective when i was younger yes. like before i joined the military there's times where we were getting in fights just to get into fights yeah and if Jiu-jitsu would have been a thing. I probably would have been doing it. Uh, I was just young and stupid. So yeah. were all my friends. All right. So here and here's <laughs> here's kind of the well, I'd call it a dichotomy, but mm. I think it's more like a sure. I'll call it a dichotomy. It's like a catch twenty-two. Mm-hmm. So like when you don't know how to fight, like before you take jujitsu, oh yeah, I'm same same boat, man. Oh, Where it's like yeah. getting in a fight seems more appealing. When you learn jujitsu, and here's mm-hmm. the proof, by the way, when you learn jujitsu, you don't really want to do it. Maybe at first, maybe at first, your white belt or whatever, sure. But think about this: blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, black, and this goes up and up the the, the more you advance. Okay, you're a black belt. You've been a black belt for like what, 13, 14 years or something like this. Yeah. When a brand new white belt comes in, do you want to roll with him or you want to roll with Andy? 
Andy. Why? Andy's good. Exactly right. So you want you don't want to go test your skills against some yeah. weirdo on the street. You know, you want to go practice and learn and and prove that you're like good with other good people. Mm-hmm. You know, other people who are trained. So it's like it, it yeah. makes no sense. Well, to the, the, I get thought where you're going fights. with that is when you're good or no, like let's say oh, I'm gonna go learn how to fight. The your first jujitsu class, you're like, okay, I'm not gonna get any fights. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that's where I thought you were too. going, which is I think a very realistic thing. And I think if I was 15 years old again and jujitsu existed, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go learn how to fight. I would have gone in there one class and I'd be like, I'm not getting any fights. Yeah, I'm gonna learn this yeah. stuff because you never know who knows this stuff. Because you go into jujitsu class and you get choked out by someone that is half your or maybe three quarters your size. Yeah. Yeah. That's a scary thing. Very scary, and you yeah. saw the sun start looking around going, wait, who knows this? Yeah. I'm not, your confidence goes way down when you, well, not your confidence, but, it, but your, yeah, that, I guess it's your that confidence. That thing that you're talking yeah. about is, yeah, it's absolutely true. And I was in the, oh man, I felt that it was overwhelmed because I was in, the, like, like you said, I was a bouncer. So even at like, when you get your blue belt, it's like that's when you're kind of the most fiery, I think, mm-hmm. in certain ways. Um, yeah. And so Agreed. I'm looking around and I'm like, yeah, you know, I could do this. But, you know, I could take that guy. He's bigger, but I could take him. Like, I know I can. But then you're like, wait, no, I don't. Yeah. What, yeah. bro? Well, I don't know who yeah. that guy is. You know, D- kind of D1 thing. wrestler. Bro, what if you caught yourself or you found yourself in a rear naked choke in a real fight? Mm. Bro, you're you're kind of done, man. You'd be in big, 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 kinda. big trouble. <laughs> Not yeah. even kind of. Yeah, so th- when you think about that, you're like, man, yeah, just like you said, bro, I'm not getting into any fights. There is that so for sure. So this goes even further. So this article that you're talking about that said you shouldn't learn how to fight because you shouldn't be fighting. Yeah, shouldn't get into fights. The actual, if you feel the urge to fight, the best thing you can do to quell that urge is to go learn how to fight. Yeah, I think he said the best thing is to go learn meditation. No. Yeah, no. Sam Harris, where are you at? We're not, <laughs> well, that's not going to help the us. The thing is, I'm not against meditation, <laughs> but as a as a replacement for learning how to fight, negative. No. Sorry, man. No. No. And and you know what? I've had Tim Ferris and Peter and I don't know if I talked about this with Sam yet. That they think they 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 impose meditation onto my jujitsu <laughs> for me, right? Oh, yeah. They're like that is. They're like, hey, Jocko, the things that people are trying to get from meditation is what you get when you go and you do jujitsu. Yeah. Like your mind gets emptied, you're focused but not focused. There's all these things. And I'm sure I'm, you know, people that are into meditation will say, no, you're missing it. I'm fine, that's fine, I know I am, whatever. But <laughs> what I'm saying is there are some similarities yeah, some between them. There has sure. to be because Tim and Sam, all, you know, they both do jujitsu and do meditation. Yeah. And there's crossover there yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Tim for sure has told me that. Tim for sure has told me that. He's even like weightlifting. Yeah. You know, even when you're trying to do a movement, right? You're trying oh, yeah. to do a snatch. You're trying to do some movement that you have to focus on. That puts you, I mean, you know what it's like. When you go to jiu-jitsu, you come home, you feel so good. But you don't feel good because of the physical workout. You feel good because your brain got emptied. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of what meditation is. Yeah. I don't know, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, well, yeah, I would, I, I would think so too. Yeah, it's like an overlap. Yeah, there's a bunch of overlap there. Because yes, and certain. So to sum this up, learn how to fight. Right. Learn how to Basically fight. Hundred percent, Brad. Don't listen to that weirdo article, man. Yeah, hey, the thing is, there's a good chance that it was like a one of those parody, whatever. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I forget what even it was on, like yeah. what website. Or yeah. Whatever, like, but it wasn't on like a a parody website. 
I don't I didn't recognize oh, it as okay. a parody re- website, but I don't remember the website to be honest with you. I just saw these weird things to me. It was it was the kind where all of the items on his little list were like were wrong. Fighting was just the one that I felt the strongest yeah, and then about. Maybe the whole thing was just wrong. Yeah, yeah. It was a joke. A big joke, as, as <laughs> Tony would say. Huge Everything's joke. a big joke. <laughs> Okay, so as I was wrapping up that last one, he says that there, you can study war, you can exercise, exercise yourself in war two different ways. He says one by action, the other by study. Here we go, here's the action part. As regards action, he ought above all things to keep his men well organized and drilled, to follow incessantly the chase, which is like hunting and patrolling, by which he accustoms his body to hardships and learns something of the nature of the localities and gets to find out how the mountains rise, how the valleys open out, how the plains lie, and to understand the nature of rivers and marshes, and in all this to take the greatest care. Which knowledge is useful in two ways. Firstly, he learns to know his country and is better able to undertake its defense. Afterwards, by means of knowledge and observation of that locality, he understands the ease any he understands with ease any other which it may be necessary for him to study hereafter. Because the hills, valleys, and plains, and rivers, and marshes that are, for instance, in Tuscany, have a certain resemblance to those of other countries. So that with a knowledge of the aspect of one country, one can easily arrive at a knowledge of others. And the prince that lacks this skill, the essential which is desirable that a captain should possess, for it teaches him to surprise his enemy, to select quarters, to lead armies, to array the battle, to besiege towns to his advantage so boom go out train train incessantly train incessantly get out there that's what you have to do and now so that's the action part and the other part now here now we get to the study part to exercise the intellect the prince should read histories and study the actions of illustrious men to see how they have borne themselves in war to examine the cause of their victories and defeat so as to avoid the latter and imitate the former. Boom. Listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we're saying. Yeah. Read. And if you don't got time to read, press play. Boom. Yeah. Get some. All right. I, I wish I had this podcast. Yeah, I wish I had this podcast to listen to when I was 17 years old, when I was 19 years old, when I was 23 years old, when I was 33 years old, when I was 37 years old. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that practice part is, uh, it seems like, oh yeah, that makes sense, you know, but I think that, I'm not sure if you read the whole thing, but it seems kind of even understated because like even um, when you study something, right? You're well, like, okay, well, I know well, what to what do. What part seems understated? The study part? No, no, or no, the, the action. The, the action, action part? Yeah. He See, says incessantly. He <laughs> says addict yourself to exercise <laughs> of war. I, I don't right. know if that's understated uh, you, or not. You know, you're probably I probably right. didn't read it well. No, no, no. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe it was just me. Maybe I think it's just so important mm-hmm. that that should be the whole book. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. But either way, either way, then in, regardless of how. But training what? is so important to you is what you're saying. I think that actually doing it is because without it, you just lose 
I think you lose more than half. If you consider study action, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't do the action part, I think action is more than half. Or it feels like it anyway. Because like if you um let's say you haven't done jujitsu in a long time or or anything. You so are if, correct when it comes to sports, but he's talking about actual going to war. Yeah. And you can't take a nation to war. You can't even take a platoon to war. You can't take a company to war without going to war. So yes, you can do the training exercises in the field, but right. There is absolutely a massive benefit to studying what has happened in the past. And I'll tell you, yeah. from a leadership perspective, like if, if I was a business person, I'd be reading about business, business, not so much business leadership books that this is how to lead, yeah. but this is what happened in yeah. this situation. And the perfect example for me of that from the war perspective is About Face by Hackworth. That book is not a leadership book. But when you read it from a leadership, through a leadership lens, it's all about leadership. Yeah. It's all about leadership. And so you can take books that are about business, not about like, hey, this is a leadership instructional manual, but hey, this is what happened yeah. in this, as this company fell apart or this, like you study those books, read those books, then it gives you a little bit more of an advantage. But in both these, what you really should be looking for is the dynamics of human nature and you can figure out like okay when people when this happened inside this company or this happened in this battle people acted this way people acted that way and now i understand them better yeah if you're seeing it for the first time just like we talked earlier about if you see if you know an arm lock is coming if you if you know how to defend an arm lock Mm -hmm. or you know it's coming you at least know to pull your elbow in right if you read a book that explains what happened in a battle or in a business scenario, and you go, okay, here's what happened right here. Mm-hmm. I recognize it, maybe not exactly, but it's close enough, and I can expect this response from the enemy or from the competitor or from my people. Yeah, I can make an adjustment. Yeah. I'm at least not blind. Yeah, that, and that's kind of the part I was talking about. Where, where, yeah, that's right. And I think that's right. Even the the un, the inverse, where it's like, okay, you can let's say you study this. I know this. You know, I know that this is how it works. But you've never been in the situation to recognize how it feels, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, um, you know, so like training for war or whatever, like, let's say in your guys case where how you would always you say you try your best to make the training as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's the actual action kind of stuff, even just something as, as simple as role, role playing, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like you're trying to simulate, you're trying to introduce the action part of it. More so than just, it's study, sure. Got it, I but, see what you're saying. You know, so, yeah, so when you find yourself in the real situation. Yes, I'll give you a case in point. You can read Extreme Ownership. You can read The Dichotomy of Leadership. I'll have someone that's read and read and studied both those books, listen to every podcast, and roll in and be like, hey, let's role play this right here. Yeah. And be like, you know, put them in a scenario where, where the right answer would be to say, hey, like, that's my fault, here's what I'm gonna do. And they'll, they'll say, well, the team needs to do this. And you yeah. just think to yourself, so you're, you are correct. You have to put people in the action as much as you p- can because the observation of a situation is not as effective a learning tool as the being involved in the situation. Yeah. I do actually agree with you. Yeah, because just like in, your, in that scenario, you just kind of painted, it's, it's usually, well, I would imagine you could tell me, is it because 
their feelings almost kind of blocked their knowledge at that point in a way. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, yeah. So if you're in the situation, you are now kind of familiar with the feelings yes. that come along with it. And for instance, you have to learn how to detach. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. if you don't know how to detach and I throw something at you, you know how to detach because you know what the right answer is. Yeah. But you don't do it. You can't do it. You don't do it. So that's, that's an, that's a problem. So yes, put yourself, put people, put your team, put yourself, not just study it. Yeah. Okay. Here's the, here's the, here's what you do. You study it. And then from the study, you try and formulate a simulation that you can put yourself into. Yeah, there you go. There's there the answer. Perfect. Yep. There's the answer. Uh, last little section about this. A wise prince ought never in peaceful times stand idle but increase his resources with industry in such a way that they may be available to him in adversity so that if fortune chances, it may find him prepared to resist her blows. He's really into, in the peacetime, you work harder. And you know what? I'm gonna agree with him. (laughs) Next, every prince ought to desire to be considered Clement and not cruel. That's, again, this is not tradish. Mm-hmm. Machiavelli. But then he says, nevertheless, he ought to take care not to misuse this clemency. So show mercy, but don't get crazy. <laughs> be, there's a dichotomy. Don't get crazy with the mercy. There's a dichotomy. It. Like, yeah. be very merciful, but don't be overly merciful. You gotta yeah. be balanced. Can't be a softy. Can't basically. be a softy. A prince, so long as he keeps his subjects united and loyal, ought not to mind the reproach of cruelty because with a few examples so he's saying hey you should if, if you're considered cruel sometimes that's okay mm. this is this is tradition yes. because with a few examples he will be more merciful than those who through too much mercy allow disorders to arise from which follow murders or robberies for these are wont to injure the whole people, whilst those executions, which originate with the prince, offend the individual only. <laughs> so every once in a while, if somebody gets out of line, you gotta, you gotta kill them, you gotta execute them. Sure, okay. And gotcha. that is actually gonna keep the people more under control, more, so little discipline gives you more freedom. Right. Little discipline and freedom sure. there on that one. I think that's the old making ex- an example. For out sure, of it's someone. making an example. But what he's saying is, hey, the example only hurts one person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. Uh, yeah. Here's the famous section when I'll read a pretty big chunk of it. Upon this, a question arises whether it be better to be loved than feared or feared than loved. It may be answered that one should wish to be both. But because it is difficult to unite them in one person, it is much safer to be feared than loved when of the two either must be dispensed with. So he's saying the best thing you could do is balance your dichotomy. Mm -hmm. That's the best thing to do. Because this is to be asserted in general of men that they are ungrateful, fickle, false, cowardly, covetous, and as long as you succeed, they are yours entirely. So he's saying, look, people are kind of dastardly. But as long as you're doing good, as long as you're successful, you're, you'll be fine. But and then he says, when you're when you're being successful, he says they will offer you their blood, property, life, and children, as is said above. When the need is far distant, so as long as I'm doing good, Echo's like, hey, yeah, I'll be, I'll be there for yeah. you, bro. Mm-hmm. But when it approaches 
they turn against you. And that prince who relying entirely on their promises has neglected other precautions is ruined because friendship, this is a big critical uh, differentiation because friendships that are obtained by payments and not by greatness or nobility of mind may indeed be earned, but they are not secured. And in time of need, they cannot be relied upon. And men have less scruple in offending one who is beloved than one who is feared, for love is preserved by the link of obligation, which owing to the baseness of men is broken at every opportunity for their advantage. But fear preserves you by a dread of punishment which never fails. So I think one of the differences, he's talking about that when I when I give you money, when I treat you well, when I you know am am generous to you, you love me. But that's right. that's different, yeah. you know. That's different. That's not like a respectful love. Yeah, yeah. But then and then he says this as well. Nevertheless, a prince ought to inspire fear in such a way. If he does not win love, he avoids hatred. Because he can endure very well being feared whilst he is not hated, which will always be as long as he abstains from the property of his citizens and subjects from their women. So he said, look, you can't just run roughshod over people and take their women and take their property. But when it is necessary for him to proceed against the life of someone, he must do it on proper justification and for manifest cause but above all things, he must keep his hands off the property of others because men more quickly forget the death of their father than loss of their patrimony. <laughs> Jeez. So, mm. yeah. Firm but fair then, he's saying, right? Be firm but fair. Yeah, yeah. Overly firm. He's saying firm when you have to be. Yeah. But fair is just as important. It's a dichotomy that you have to balance. That's what he's saying. He just didn't write it as cleverly. Uh, when a prince with his army and under and has under his control a multitude of soldiers then it is quite necessary for him to disregard the reputation of cruelty again so he again he's saying when you got to be cruel you got to be cruel Mm -hmm. for without it he would never hold his army united or disposed to its duties among the wonderful deeds hannibal of Hannibal, this one is enumerated, that having led an enormous army composed of various races of men to fight in foreign lands, no dissensions arose either among them or against the prince, whether in his bad or in his good fortune. This arose from nothing else than his inhuman cruelty, which with boundless, which with his boundless valor made him very revered and terrible in the sight of his soldiers. Revered and terrible. There's a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. He was revered and terrible. But without that cruelty, his virtues were not sufficient to produce this effect. Returning to the question of being feared or loved, I've come to the conclusion that men loving according to their own will and fearing according to that of a prince, a wise prince should establish himself on that which is in his own control and not in that of others. He must endeavor only to avoid hatred, as is noted. So, be balanced. And he said over and over again before this that it's, you know having the connection with the people and if the people are loyal, like that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. If they hate you or if they don't like you or if they're just afraid of you, they don't have that. Yeah. And you think about it when you're afraid of somebody and you have the chance to to rise up and smash them down. Oh yeah, you don't want to live in fear. No, you don't. So, 
next section. Everyone admits how praiseworthy it is in a prince to keep faith and to live with integrity and not with craft. And he used that word craft, meaning like guile and sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Nevertheless, our experience has been that those princes who have done great things have had good faith of little account and have known how to circumvent the intellect of men by craft and have in the end overcome those who relied on their word. You must know there are two ways of contesting, one by law, the other by force. The first method is proper to men, the second to beasts. But because the first is frequently not sufficient, it is necessary to have recourse to the second. So look, we want to do things the nice way, but if we have to, you got to get a little savage. (laughs) There is... Therefore, it is necessary for a prince to understand how to avail himself of the beast and the man. Again, this is a dichotomy. Yeah. You got to know that sometimes you got to get cra- get nuts, get nuts. Yeah. and sometimes you got to not. Yeah. It is necessary for a prince to know how to make use of both natures, and that one without the other is not as durable. A prince, therefore, being compelled knowingly to adopt the beast ought to choose the fox and the lion because the lion cannot defend himself against snares and the fox cannot defend himself against wolves. Therefore, it is necessary to be a fox to discover the snares and a lion to terrify the wolves. Those who rely simply on the lion do not understand what they are about. He who has known best how to employ the fox has succeeded the best. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. You, you know, go. can't just be the brig brute. Yeah. You got to have a little bit of that. <laughs> yep. But it is necessary to know, and this is it. This is where you get, this is going traditional Machiavellian attitude. It is necessary to know how well, to know well how to disguise this characteristic and to be a great pretender and dissembler. And men are so simple and so subject to present necessities that he who seeks to deceive will always find someone who will allow himself to be deceived. There's a sucker born every minute. So he's saying you got to act these ways, but you got to cover it up. Yeah. Which is going back to Richard the Third. Hey, I'm going to cover this stuff and make it up, make it look like I'm a saint. Yeah. When really I'm the devil. <laughs> a prince, especially a new one, cannot observe all those things for which men are esteemed, being often forced in order to maintain the state to act contrary to fidelity, friendship, humanity, and religion. So he's saying, look. Those are, the, those are the nice ways to act, but sometimes mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't keep it. Yeah. Therefore, it is necessary for him to have a mind ready to turn itself accordingly as the winds and variations of fortunes force it. Yet, as I have said above, do not deserve diverge from the good if he can avoid doing so, but if compelled, then to know how to set it about. So, hey, if you can, you got to be you know, maintain your fidelity and friendship and humanity and religion if you can. Mm-hmm. If you can't, you got to know how to get after it the other way. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And again, my personal belief is if you do that, it's going to come back. Yeah. It's going to come back. And I'm not, again, like I'm not talking about a spiritual karma that's going to come back. I'm talking mm-hmm. about real life will come back. Yeah. You screw someone over, their time will come. Yeah. And you screw enough people over, everyone's time is going to come. Yeah. And that, I mean, doesn't. Maybe I got it wrong, but so Jordan Peterson, for example, he'll talk about this too, right? Like where, where you have to be a good person with the capability of yes. being a bad person. Well, that's optimum. Yeah. The optimum thing is, hey, you you can get, you can 
you can bring the thunder if you have to, but you right. shouldn't. You shouldn't have to. Yeah. This is not quite that. This is saying sometimes you got to do some underhanded Just stuff. Do it. Yeah, That's yeah. what he's saying. He's saying sometimes you got to do some underhanded stuff. Yeah. And I'll tell you, back in these days, I mean, think about how much more communication there is today. Yeah. You do something that's out of line, everyone's going to know it. Yeah, they're and watching. it's not going to take them very long to know it. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, man. Like when you see, you know, some people, they're just sort of like that, you know, and the, you know, it's almost like they can't see very far ahead of themselves or something yeah. like that. Like they'll like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just short sighted and they yeah. just screw this guy over and screw that person over. And next yeah. thing you know, they look up and they wonder why they didn't get hired or they wonder why they didn't get the contract or they wonder yeah. why they didn't get promoted. It's like, oh, guess what you did? Yeah. And it's so it's almost like a thought like, well, shoot, I didn't. Like, I didn't screw you over. Like, why are you acting like this kind of thing? Or why are you treating me like this? Like I'm some, uh, you know, fox or clever mm. what craft person mm. or whatever. Um, but meanwhile, everyone's seeing what you're doing. Oh, Just because yeah, yeah. you didn't do it to me. No, bro. We know what kind of person one you of are. The, one, of the, one of the hardest things for some people is they think that they're a fox. Yeah. They think that they can get one over on you. And, and, and they just, they just, it's so obvious. Like you said, it's so obvious. You're looking at them going, Hey man, everyone, not just me, (laughs) everyone can see. And you know what? Sometimes people, sometimes not everyone can see what they're doing. And if you're, and they think they're getting away with something and you're looking at them going, man, I can see right through what you're doing. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Cause I can see exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You, and the fact that you're doing it and I, I you don't think I can see that you're doing it. It proves two things. Number one, you don't think I'm very smart, and number two, you're underhanded. Yeah. Neither one of those is going to work out for you, yeah. because this is not my first rodeo, and I'm watching what you're doing, and this is going to come back in a very hard way on you. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't and do that. There's varying levels of that too. Like it can be like real devious stuff, you know. It can be that, but it can be like oh, little yeah. harmful things too. And the and the point there is semi harm. You might say harmless, semi harmless things. Right? Yeah, semi harmless. Semi harmless things. But there's, but also sometimes, and I always try and get people to pay attention to this. If you're underhanded with me, if you try and sneak one by me, it's a trust violation. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. And you know what? I'm not going to confront you, right. but I know you. Yeah, yeah. And it's even worse. It'd be, it would be better off for you if I just came and said, hey, Echo, yeah. you know, you tried to slide this one under on the expense account and you <laughs> yeah. bought, you know, whatever. You took your yeah. family out for dinner on the company credit card. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and you shouldn't do that. That would be better. For me, you mean? It'd be better for you. Yeah, for, for my little then you plans. Can, yeah, for yeah. your little plans than me not saying anything yeah. and just noting it. And now I'm tracking you. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> all, uh, my knowledge of that kind of gives me a foot to stand on so I can kind of maneuver. So I can right, continue right. to maneuver. But I you didn't know? say anything. Yeah. I don't, and I won't say anything. Yeah. I'll let you I'll let you continue to reveal your dark arts. My cards. Yes. Reveal your reveal your nature. Yeah. Your nature is cheating. Your nature is stealing from me. Bro, you're all looking at me like an like I actually did that. I'm trying to think. Shoot, did I do that right now? Think just about it. <laughs> Whatever. But I'm just saying, think about it. But the point of um, 
what you're saying like whenever Look at like, you, you're all this you're all this grown, you're all <laughs> discombobulated right now no, going through that expense report in your people, head boy uh, when, <laughs> when people can see you but they can't see themselves you, you know you know how like <laughs> even with like small stuff big stuff small stuff yeah. or whatever one everyone can see what you're doing everyone you know, kind of and, and my point is though not every not it's not always that everyone can see sometimes not everyone can see mm. and that actually encourages a person to continue their little crafty ways that they think they're so good at. Mm. And it's so, when, when I see that happening, it's just so disappointing. Yep. It's so disappointing because you're not even in a situation where you're with me because like, oh, I, you know, I brought you into my house. <laughs> Basically, if someone's gonna be able to do that to me, they're in my house. Yeah. If you're in my house and you're trying to, you know, steal some milk from the drawer <laughs> when I'm not looking. Sure. Without permission, yeah, yeah. Like Damn. you're trying to sneak that thing in your bag. You, if you would ask <laughs> me, you'd have had th- you'd have had a case of milk. Yeah, but you didn't ask. What you thought is, I'm going to try and get this. Yeah. That's a whole different way things shake out. Yeah, and I'm not even going to say anything to you. He's going to let me I'm have that milk. I'm not going to say anything to you. You yeah. can have that milk. That milk, it was worth it because now I know your nature. Yep. So the torment is kind yes. of the punishment. No, but okay. So back. But to no, what? there won't be any punishment. Right, but but you, but in a year you're gonna look up and be like, hey, I know that we got this opportunity. I'm saying, oh yeah, yeah, I took the opportunity. Unfortunately, I don't have room for you in the opportunity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. There you go. That's what happens. But when and then I you're surprised when I say people can do, and then I just uh, look at you and say, <laughs> you know when I say harmless ways or semi-harmless ways yes, or whatever. Of course, like even like the teeny, teeny, tiny things, and we said this before, like name dropping, right? Yep. And that's not, and that goes be a, that's not, it doesn't go into devious. That's not necessarily a devious, a crafty thing or nothing mm-hmm. like that. But I'm just saying the, the concept of someone doing something where we all see what you're doing kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? So you name drop someone it's like, oh, that's just part of the story. But it's like, bro, we all see what you're doing right there, you know? But it's, I think it's hard for us Did sometimes. I, like I just name dropped uh, Sam Harris and Tim Ferriss. No, I, it didn't feel like you did. You know, well, then again, you did say their first and last name, so that's kind well, of a I, symptom. Of no, because I think the opposite. If I would have said, "Oh, well, you know, I was talking to Tim no, last week," <laughs> me and Sam were having a quick conversation. Yeah, that's true. Right? I think you told me that before too, and you're right. Yeah, right. it seems more. I guess it depends, but yes, yes, you're <laughs> Tim, and then you're hoping in the back of your mind that I ask Tim who, so you get to yeah. say, "Oh, just Tim Ferriss." You no know, big deal. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, but the point is people see what you're doing but sometimes yes. it's hard for us to see that they can see that you know uh, yes they're unaware so you, so you gotta stop and it's a sad stuff. thing assume that people can see what you're doing there's a good yeah. lesson for the day yeah. assume that the little maneuvers that you think are all clandestine assume that people can actually see assume that people are a little bit smarter than you think assume that you're maybe not as smart as you think you are yeah, because those little crafty moves that you think are fooling people, they don't, and they reveal you your nature as being underhanded. Yeah. People don't like underhanded people, especially me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it's a common thing, but yeah. Check. All right, moving on. For this reason, again, we're talking about how sometimes you have to, you have to g- violate 
you have to according to this sometimes people have to act a little underhanded you have to act devious or whatever and here's what he says about that for this reason a prince ought to take care that he never lets anything slip from his lips that does not replete with the above named five qualities that he may appear to him who sees and hears him altogether merciful faithful humane upright and religious so again this is richard the third and there's a whole backstory I'll give on Richard III on why Shakespeare wrote it that way, mm-hmm. but he definitely wrote it that way. And, and clearly from that opening, he's literally doing what it says in this book. Mm-hmm. Men judge generally more by the eye than by the hand because it belongs to everybody to see you, to few to come to touch with you. Everyone sees what you appear to be. Few really know what you are, and those few do not dare oppose themselves to the opinion of many. So how you look is how you're going to be judged. The prince must consider how to avoid those things which will make him hated or contemptible. This is not traditional Machiavellian thought. It makes him contemptible to be considered fickle, frivolous, effeminate, mean-spirited, irresolute, from all of which a prince should guard himself as from a rock. And he should endeavor to show his actions greatness or show in his actions greatness, courage, gravity, and fortitude. And in his private dealings with his subjects, let him show that his judgments are irrevocable and maintain himself in such reputation that no one can hope either to deceive or get around him. Good advice. And I guess one of my points is everything that, so check this out, everything that we're saying about how people can see what you're doing. He's recommending that you act this way, but no one will know, and you just have to pretend like you're actually a good person. Mm-hmm. And what we're both saying is that doesn't work, and I agree that it doesn't work. Yeah. So the idea that you're gonna be all behind the scenes, you're gonna be, you're gonna be all crafty behind the scenes and no one's gonna catch you, mm-hmm. and you're just gonna act with greatness and courage and act with gravity and fortitude and that's how you're gonna act but you're not really not that way. My point is that doesn't work because yeah. people can see through it yeah. and they will see through it and they might not see through it today or tomorrow but they'll see it through it in a week or two weeks or a month or a year and yeah. then you're gonna be you're gonna be undone. undone. That's a good word. <laughs> a prince ought to reckon conspiracies of little account when his people hold him in esteem. But when it's hostile to him and bears hatred toward him, he ought to fear. He ought to fear everything and everybody. So, if your people support you, don't worry about conspiracies. If your people are hostile towards you, you better be. You better take note. And well-ordered states and wise princes have ev- have taken every care to drive the nobles to desperation and keep the people satisfied and contented, for this is one of the most important objects a prince can have, is to keep people, keep your troops, keep the people in the game. There was never a new prince who has disarmed his subjects, rather when he has found them disarmed, he's always armed them, because by arming them, those arms become yours. Those men who were distrusted become faithful, and those who were faithful are kept so, and your subjects become adherents. Now, I think where this really plays into from a leadership perspective is when you get when you when you are in a leadership position and you empower people, you give them power, mm-hmm. it builds faith, it builds trust, it builds and and the power that they that you give to them mm-hmm. becomes yours. Yeah. It, we, the more powerful you make your subordinates, the more powerful you become. 
If you have the ego that you can put in check so that you don't mind giving some of that power away because it'll come back to you tenfold. Mm -hmm. And here's what happens on the other end of the spectrum. When you disarm them, at once you offend them by showing that you distrust them either for cowardice or for want of loyalty. And either of these opinions breeds hatred against you. And because you cannot remain unarmed, it follows that you turn to mercenaries, which are a character, which are of a character already shown. So once again, if I take your power from you, then that's offensive. Yeah. So be careful. Give, try and give people power. Don't take it away from them. It takes a high level of security and confidence with your own leadership that you can give it away. The more you, the more confident you are, the more you can give it away. The more paranoid you think people are going to be better than you, the harder it is to give it away. The worse leader you are, the worse leader you become, the worse situation, the less power you have because you're trying to hold it all for yourself. Mm. Continuing, the best possible fortress is not to be hated by the people. Not traditional Machiavellian thought. Mm-hmm. The best possible fortress is not to be hated by the people. Yeah, seems like a good start. It's a great start. Because although you may hold the fortress, yet they will not save you if the people hate you. The fortress isn't going to, if the people hate you, the fortress isn't going to (laughs) help. Don't even bother. (laughs) Oh, you built up a great fortress. Cool. We're going to, we're going to siege you. Yeah, because we hate you. No water, no food. (laughs) Hucking fire over the walls. Continuing, nothing makes a prince so much esteemed as great enterprises and setting a fine example. Set a good example. Not traditional Machiavellian thought. Ooh, good one. The choice of servants is of no little importance to a prince and they are good or not according to the discrimination of the prince. And the first opinion which one forms of a prince and of of his understanding is by observing the men he has around him. And when they are capable and faithful, he may always be considered wise because he has known how to recognize the capable and to keep them faithful. But when they are otherwise, one cannot form a good opinion of him for the prime error which he made was in choosing them. So people, your team, people look at you and they judge you by what your team is like. And if you surround yourself with people that are incompetent and incapable, That's what people are going to think of you. Mm. So use caution. Next, when you see the servant, when you see the servant thinking more of his own interests than of yours and seeking inwardly his own profit in everything, such a man will never make a good servant, nor will you ever be able to trust him because he who has the state of another in his hands ought never think of himself, but always of his prince and never pay any attention to matters in which the prince is not concerned. So if you got someone that's thinking of himself, you cannot trust them. Yeah. On the other hand, to keep his servant honest, the prince ought to study him, honoring him, enriching him, doing him kindness, sharing with him the honors and cares, and at the same time, let him see that he cannot stand alone. So that many honors may not make him desire more, many riches make him wish for more, and that many cares may make him dread chances. So what's the best way to have loyalty with someone? 
you treat them really, really well. You enrich them. You honor them. You share the honors that you get with that person. And then he throw, has to throw in a little dig, yeah. which is you got to make sure they understand that they're not going to get that by themselves. Yeah. He always throws a little dig in there. Yeah. A little bit. He distrusts people. You know, he says it a bunch of times. People are scoundrels, basically. Yeah, yeah. Oh, important section, how flatterers should be avoided. I do not wish to leave out an important branch of this subject for it is danger for it is a danger from which princes are with difficulty preserved unless they are carefully unless they are careful and discriminating. It is that of flatterers, of those of whom courts are full because men are so self-complacent in their own affairs and in a way so Deceived in them that they are preserved with difficulty from the past and if they wish to defend themselves They run the danger of falling into contempt Because there is no other way of guarding oneself from flatterers except letting men understand that to tell you the truth does not offend you You got to make sure people understand that if you tell me the truth, I'm not gonna be offended But when everyone may tell you the truth respect for you abates then he throws in a little something, little counter, right? He doesn't want people talking smack to him, yeah. but he wants them to tell the truth. Yeah. Therefore, a wise prince ought to hold a third course by choosing the wise men in his state and giving them only the liberty of speaking the truth to him and then only of those things which he inquires and of none others. So you, you can talk the truth as long as I ask you for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But he ought to question them upon everything. But even though I say, hey, well, you only to echo, you only tell me the truth when I ask you. But I'm going to ask you everything. Yeah, and yes. listen to their opinions and afterwards form his own conclusions. Yeah. With these counselors separately and collectively, he ought to carry himself in such a way that each of them should know that the more freely he shall speak, the more he shall be preferred. So the more you tell me the truth, the more I'm going to like it. The more I'm going to like you. Outside of these, he should listen to no one. Pursue the thing resolved on and be steadfast in his resolutions. He who does not otherwise is either overthrown by flatterers or is so often changed by varying his opinions that he falls into contempt. He continues on with this thought. A prince, therefore, ought always to take counsel, but only when he wishes and not when others wish. He ought to rather discourage everyone from offering advice unless he asks it, but... However, he ought to be a constant inquirer and afterwards a patient listener concerning the things which he has inquired. Also, on learning that anyone or on any consideration has not told him the truth, he should let his anger, his anger be felt. And if there is someone who think that a prince who conveys an impression of his wisdom is not through his own ability but through good advisors that he is around him, beyond doubt, they are deceived. Because this is an axiom which never fails, that a prince who is not wise himself will never take good advice. So if you look at someone and say, oh, oh, that, that CEO is doing a good job, but that's because he's got these guys with him. Mm. That's actually wrong. Mm. The CEO's got that good person with him, those good people, brought him in, and then listens to him. Yeah. They get credit. He yeah. gives them credit for that. Yeah. 
And you know what's funny? That's good salesmanship. Listen to this. Therefore, it must be inferred that good counsels, whensoever they come, are born of the wisdom of the prince and not the wisdom of the prince from good counsel. So he's saying, if you're listening to what I'm saying right now, that makes you good. (laughs) If you listen to this book, if you listen to the words I'm saying and you obey them, that makes you great. You're not giving credit to me. You're great if you do. Yeah. What? Like you're smart because you're so smart to listen to this good stuff. That you taking this advice proves that you're brilliant. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> you. It's like, hey, if you read this book, it proves that you're smart. Yeah. Just you, only a smart person. Only would a smart read person this, would this read this book. Stuff, only right? a smart person would take the advice of someone else. That's how smart you are. <laughs> That's like good salesmanship of the book. Oh yeah. Do not let. Pr- do not let our princes accuse fortune for the loss of their principalities after so many years possession. Okay, so he's saying, don't let, don't blame luck, don't blame bad luck. Mm-hmm. When you lose your principality, don't blame bad luck, but rather their own sloth, because in quiet times they never thought there could be a change. It is a common defect in man not to make any provision in the calm against the tempest. So it's common that people, when things aren't going bad, they just kick back. Yeah. They cruise. Cruise. They cruise instead of working. And when afterwards the bad times came, they thought of flight and not of defending themselves, and they hoped that the people disgusted with the insolence of the conquerors conquerors would recall them. That's a good plan. Hey, if I get overrun, I'll just hope that the conquerors are so bad that the people rebel and bring me back. And here he talks about what fortune, and again, he uses fortune like luck, what fortune can affect in human affairs and how to withstand her. I will hold it to be true that fortune is the arbiter of about one half of our actions, but that she still leaves us to direct the other half, perhaps a little less. So he's saying, look, luck has 50%. 50%. That's a big number. Yeah. And you might go, well, if it's 50%, man, why even try? Well, that leaves you 50% in control. Yeah. That's actually a lot. Yeah. He goes on. I compare her, and he's her is that he's talking about his fortune. I compare her to one of those raging rivers, which when the f- in flood overflows the plains, sweeping away trees and buildings, bearing away the soil from place to place, everything flies before it, all yield to its violence without being able in any way to withstand it. And yet, though its nature be such, it does not follow, therefore, that man, when the weather becomes fair, shall not make provision, both with defenses and barriers, in such a manner that, rising again, the waters may pass away by canal, and their force be neither so unrestrained nor so dangerous. So, floods are real bad. And they'll wipe you out. But when there's no flood, you can build walls, you can build barriers, you can build canals. And then you can control that that danger, that flood. Continuing on. So it happens with fortune, who shows her power where valor has not prepared to resist her. And thither she turns her forces where she knows that barriers and defenses have not been raised to constrain her. So that bad luck, if you don't work, that mm. bad luck's coming at you. Yeah. It's coming at you. Kind of like the weather, right? Remember like how you were saying? Yes. Like it yeah. kind of like extreme ownership almost situation where. It's not kind of. It is. Straight yeah. up. Huh? Straight up. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, let's say I put a TV outside. 
right? Mm-hmm. TV outside would be cool. Um, you know, it doesn't really rain much here, so it's I don't really need to put on a cover every day, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. And then sure enough, the one day out of the year it rains on your TV. No more TV. See what I'm saying? But if you were prepared properly. Yeah. Even though no it's factor. sunny, you just keep the cover on anyway, you know, just in case it rains. Good one. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, you know, to me, that was the perfect example. You know? I, no, I think there's a majority of people will find that to be the perfect <laughs> example. Right. One last last little thing to close this out. And he goes into some, um, some more kind of historical documentation and examples, but this was a good one, so I just wanted to close it out with this. A prince may be seen happy today and ruined tomorrow, without having shown any change of disposition or character. And what that's saying is normal face. You just need to keep, like regardless, things are going great, things are going bad, guess what we're sticking with? Normal. Normal. That's how we're sticking. Mm. And that wraps up the book. Again, a ton to think about, a ton that does, there's, there's definitely parts of it that match kind of the traditional Machiavelli, Machiavellian common perception, and there's plenty of it that goes against it. Mm-hmm. And I believe the right answer is balance, and it's more balanced than people think it is. Yeah. But speaking of you know bolstering up our defenses against the whims of fortune or misfortune. You know, do you have any maybe suggestions on how we could sure bolster yeah. and prepare for that? Uh, yeah, yeah, a few ways. Uh, well, back to the book real quick. And so let's say to sort of sum up what what is a way to sum up Machiavellian ways. Well, like I said, the 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 traditional understanding and meaning of the word Machiavellian is a negative. It means, hey, this person's underhanded. They're going to deceive. They're not going to care what kind of destruction they leave in their path. Yeah. That's what people think of. If, you, Like I said, if, if you say, hey, this person's a Machiavellian leader, everyone thinks, oh, okay, they're going to be merciless. They're yeah. going to just run roughshod over everyone. They don't care who they step on to get to rise to power. Yeah. That's, the tr- that's, the tr- that's what the word actually means. But, and we just gave example after example, it's not that cut and dry. Yeah. And he definitely introduces many dichotomies to to that idea that you're just going to do whatever it takes to get to the top. Yeah. He, he talks a lot about these other more moderate and important things that you need to do as a leader yeah. to get, not only to get in a position, but to stay in position. So yeah. being having good relationships with your people, making sure they understand where you're coming from, like these things are not considered, when you hear the word, you don't know any better, you just take the word for what the word has become to mean. Yeah. What the word means now, Machiavellian is like, hey, I will stop at nothing to rise to the top. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to cover this because even with that, even though he definitely leans in that direction, and he he what he's saying is, look, sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta stab your somebody in the back occasionally, yeah. and then you gotta cover it up to the best of your ability. That's yeah. what he says. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that. I believe when you stab someone in the back, that person they may die, but they got a they got a friend, they got a brother, they got someone else, they got someone else that you don't know, you don't recognize, and yeah. at some point they're gonna come and get you. Yeah. So. 
you have to, you know, you have to try and balance these dichotomies. You have to try and, and that's not even balancing a dichotomy. That's just straight up like, hey, you got to take, you got to treat people. You got to respect people. Yeah. And you've got to not always look out for your own good. And what I will tell you, and what I know, the more you look out for your own good, and this is where, this is probably the biggest dichotomy, dichotomy with this Machiavellian attitude. The more you look out for your own good, the worse off you're going to be. Yeah. And the more you look out for the good of others, and the more you look out for your team, and the more you put the mission and your and your people ahead of yourself, the better off you'll end up in the long run. So that's in complete contrast to what the Machiavellian, the the common thought about being Machiavellian is. And I and I will tell you, when I work with companies, the leaders that put their people ahead of them, the leaders that put their that put the mission ahead of themselves, they're always respected. They're always they're always um, loved by the troops. They always have support of the troops, and they always go forward and do a good job. The people that screw the people over, screw the team over, put themselves ahead, their egos, those people, those leaders never end up doing well. In the long run, sometimes you can do some short-term stuff. Right. Hey, I'm going to screw Echo over. I'm going to get promoted because I'm going to, you know, fill out a report that he didn't. You know, I'm going to rat him out on this thing. Okay, yeah. cool. I rat you out, but what I don't realize is that you have another friend that's with us. That's that. You, that's your peer. Yeah. And now he's watching me, yeah. and there's going to be an opportunity for him to rat me out. Yeah. Because I missed something or I didn't do something. Yeah. So if you form good relationships, if you put your team and your mission and you put others above yourself you're going to end up in a much better position than you will stabbing people in the back and stepping on people to try and rise to the top yeah and not only that when you get to the top you will be much more comfortable not only when you look yourself in the mirror but also when you get to the top and you know that the people below you in the chain of command actually want you there and actually will do anything to defend your position up there, yeah. that's a lot more comfortable than having to constantly look behind your back and see who's sneaking up behind you. Yeah. So do the right thing. Do the right thing. Be a good leader. Yeah. Keyword is good. So kind of in a way, it kind of goes along, well, really does go along with kind of what you say, where like, so, okay, Machiavellian way, traditionally whatever could be put simply maybe over simply but simply you know looking out for yourself totally you know kind yep. of thing look out for but me but what you say and what he ends up saying is the best way to look out for yourself is to look out for the yes. people yes. like he's always talking about the people the people yeah the people so man it kind of brings it full circle in a way it does bring it full circle and the full circle answer is take care of your people take care of your team the look team, out for yeah. other people don't put yourself first yeah. If you do that, you're going to end up, you might, like I said, you might end up stepping up for a moment, but in the long run, things aren't going to go your way. And even when you are on the top, you're going to be waiting to get stabbed in the back. Yeah. Not fun. Yeah. I always, and the more, more I think about it, you kind of turned me on to the, the whole idea of the long game, you know, mm. the more I kind of open my eyes to like, look at things, it kind of seems like playing the short game isn't the smart game. It's totally ignorant to yeah. play the short game. So when you figure, and you can see it too, where... It's so obvious when people are playing the short game. Well, yeah, with everything. With everything. With everything, yeah. In fact, if you identify any one of your failures, or the failures of others, whatever, but try your own, if you identify any one of them, you'll 
probably trace it down to you're playing the short game in regards to that. Many so like, times. let's say you're overweight or whatever, you're playing the short game. Mm-hmm. As far as like what you eat, what you're doing physically or whatever, yeah. you're playing short term, you want the short term payoff rather than the yeah. big long term. Big, Yeah. So it's, if you can maintain that in your mind, I think. Play the long, long game. Oh, you'd be doing some good stuff. Yeah. In my opinion. And it's, a, it's a weird dichotomy that if you really want to do well yourself, the best thing you can do is take care of you know your people someone who's not yourself yeah, yeah exactly it's, it's a weird. dichotomy but it's the reality yeah. it's it's a it's a nice little blessing that you get at the end of the day for for trying to take care of people they'll take care of you yeah. if you take care of people they'll take care of you then to go one step further if you take care of yourself and give you yourself the capability to keep take care of more people see what i'm saying so it's like this never-ending thing well if you take care if you look to this this is the no this is the opposite of what i just said the opposite of what i just said is if you take care of yourself as the primary you will end up being in a worse position than if you try and take care of other people yeah that's this that's the reality so if i'm if i'm always looking out for me if i if i act in the traditional machiavellian way Mm -hmm. sure i might get ahead right now i might step on i might get a short term Win here and there. Mm-hmm. Long term, I will not be in a better position. Long term, I will be in a worse position. Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah, I was thinking more, you know, the, the, the oxygen mask in the plane, you know, put it on yourself before your kids kind of thing. But, you know, it's a whole thing. Never mind. But every once in a while, every once in a while, you can find something that has both a short term and a long term payoff. Jiu-jitsu is one of those things. Short term, long term. Indeed. Big time. Are there sacrifices? You why wouldn't you take jujitsu? And the, I'm not saying like, or you know, you. I'm just saying, what are what are people some in reasons? general? I don't have time. Number one. Yeah. Number two. There's all. Then once you once you get past that one, it's just a whole array of reasons. I might get hurt. I don't like. I, I feel claustrophobic, which, by the way, is an even more reason to do it because you should be trying to overcome that. Um, what, what other yeah, excuses? General intimidation, you know. Yeah, it's like general intimidation like, oh, it's or whatever. Pe- yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't trying something new. That's kind of like a big thing. Scary, yeah. yeah. Scary. I'm scared. Scar- Need to read Mikey and the Dragons, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, if when we see fit to start jujitsu, if we haven't started already. You're going to need a gi and a rash guard. Maybe some other stuff. No, gi and a rash guard. Boom, perfect. And a school. And then, yeah, an academy. Or or at least some mats and a friend. Or at least a friend. At least. Okay. Okay. Yeah, better than nothing. (laughs) For sure. But when you get the gi and people, yes, people still ask, what kind of gi should I get? Just start it. What kind of gi? Mm -hmm. Origin gi from Origin. OriginMain.com. This is where you can browse as many geese as you want. Get more than one geese. Um, best geese. Factually the best geese. Made in America. From beginning to end, made in America. Beginning to end of the whole process. Designed by people that do jujitsu. Yep. Not by a random person that doesn't train. Yeah. Not by a person that looked an Aikido gi. Yeah. Was and like, said, okay, well, that's, you know, a gi. Yeah. Not but a person that says, fashion. oh, I do jujitsu. Yeah. Daily, and I need to make the best possible. Gear. I compete in jujitsu, and I'm going to make the best possible gi. Yes, that's where you get the. That's where you get the origin gi yeah. from. Boom! There you go. You're welcome. To- and and then we're going to make it in America. Yeah, 
I wish I knew that before I bought my first my first gi I bought from the academy. Did I buy it from the academy? Yeah, I bought it from the academy, the boxing club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the worst gi I ever had <laughs> ever. Yeah, and here's the thing, and that's that's what gis are like. Yeah, because I didn't like know. Yeah. I didn't know. So then I bought like I went and I saw one from a guy. A guy had one on, and I was like, "Ooh, that looks cool. The logo looks cool." Even when I felt it, I was like, "Ooh, that looks feels beefy." Yeah. I went and got mine and it was like it shrunk a little bit too much and it was like it didn't fit that good. It was like a there were some scenarios where it felt like a straight jacket mm. and which, you know, it depends on who you are, whatever. But it was just so thick mm-hmm. and uh, maybe might have been too small. I don't know. But nonetheless, no one pointed me in the right direction. That's no the point. One told there. You. Yes. Now you're being told. So now now, now you are telling people doing the telling. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, you don't want to be in a straight jacket. No, you don't. You want to be in a very comfortable. Comfortable. Which you are highly skilled at assessing comfort levels. yes, big time. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. In jujitsu, if the gi is comfortable, that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you're some weirdo savage who's like, you know what? That's going to be part of my training to put on an uncomfortable gi and harden my mind. There was a dude that thing. used to train with a wetsuit under his gi just suit. for discomfort level. D'Artanian. He's still a jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. He's out there. He was like Higgs, one of Higgs's training partners back in the day. <laughs> yeah, but he's still out there. So is that yeah. kind of like the, the guys who wear the, the, the restriction yeah, yeah, yeah. oxygen restriction mask I mean, or whatever? He, well, you don't put on a wetsuit very often, but no, wetsuits, ever wetsuits are slightly, especially this is this is 20 years ago that, that this guy was putting on a wetsuit and training. And wetsuits have come a long way. They're much more comfortable now and much more pliable. Oh, okay. but back in the day, when yeah. you put on a three millimeter wetsuit, it was it was it was restricting your mobility. Yes. So just do that and train and be hot and sweaty and uncomfortable. Yeah, that's next level. Yeah, put yeah. a wetsuit on underneath your origin gi. <laughs> if you no. want more discomfort, no. there's your there's your answer. Oh right, if you're training for that, yeah, I I say 100 percent don't do that. That's what I would recommend. No, I know you wouldn't recommend that, but it is kind of hardcore. It is hardcore. There's a certain legitimate level of respect I have for yeah, D'Artagnan, D'Artagnan for doing that. Dang, that's kind of... He's out there, man. <laughs> He's out there Teaching jiu-jitsu. Just strong as hell. Yeah. Just well, wearing a wetsuit. Good. Hey, man. <laughs> legit. Legit. Hey, oh, there's other stuff at Origin, too. Yeah. Like t-shirts and sweatshirts. And and by the way, we're going to have jeans. We have jeans right now. Well, we do. Well, yeah. me, I do. Yeah, because I, 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 last time I looked, I don't. Yeah, have no, you don't have yet. a pair. You, you will get some soon. But anyways, just like the gi mm-hmm. is awesome. Here's the problem with a gi: you can't wear a gi to the store. Yeah, you can't wear a gi to the restaurant. I mean, you can technically, but you wouldn't do that. No. So, you know, talking to Pete, I'm like, Pete, I love, I love my origin gis. I'll, I'll wear an origin gi around the house maybe a little bit, maybe, right? Maybe. But I said, Pete, I can't go out. I need I need, I need, need jeans. I need something. And jeans, guess what you can do in jeans? Wear them to the restaurant. You can wear them anywhere. You can maybe. swing a hammer when you're wearing jeans. You can pour concrete when you're wearing jeans. You can go to a restaurant when you're wearing jeans. Origin jeans. Origin jeans. Coming I, very soon, we will have them available on the website. Sure. To pre-order, I think we're gonna do like a pre-order thing, yeah. just because we want to know how many to make. But yeah, then we'll just start making them as fast as we can. So made in America, 
uh, what? The denim without itself compromise m- made, made in America. America. The so buttons. American. Wait, what denim. are those things called that you that you fasten at the top of <laughs> the, the jeans? <laughs> buttons. Yeah. Yeah. The buttons. <laughs> they will brass. be the brass are made in America. Everything's made in America, and they're sewn up in Maine by serious craftsmen. Yeah. Legit. Crafts people. Yeah. American denim then straight up bringing it back. Bringing it back. Boom. All Origin Maine. Origin Maine. Also supplements. Yeah. Which I've been, man, I've been disciplined with the supplements, right? Because well, you're on the program right I'm now. I'm back on the program. My arm, like I'm back in jiu-jitsu. My arm is healed, mm-hmm. but it's like really susceptible to tendonitis, you know, like this kind of stuff, especially with the twisting yeah. stuff. I don't know if I'm ready for like any kind of mm-hmm. legitimate gi situation, but so after mm-hmm. training, it gets stiff. Right, just pound joint warfare, krill oil, whatever. Next day, I'm like cool, but the day after that, good to go, man. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's it's uh, good, amazing, nonetheless. But yes, joint warfare, joint warfare is what it is. It's for your joints, keeps it together. Krill oil, same deal. Discipline. I've been on the discipline you, train too a little bit. <laughs> you you said to me like because yesterday I trained kind of hard in that jujitsu, and you said you were asking me what kind of jujitsu training feels best, and then you named a couple times right. a couple different types, and then one of them you said was like a three scoop of discipline day. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> As if the level. That's like a the okay. highest level. That that's, was the highest level of good jujitsu day. Yes, it was is. three scoops of discipline. Yeah, which by the way you can get in Tropic Thunder flavor now. Yeah, I'm on that. We're waiting for a cease and desist level for letter from uh, from Jack Black. Yeah, who is in Tropic Thunder? Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and Ben Stiller. Stiller. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, until then, I'm yeah. Seeing, until I'm then, we're just gonna keep making Tropic Thunder. Yeah, it's good. I actually like that flavor very much, and I like the uh, you know the cognitive. Enhancements. I'm start. I'm do the three. I'm gonna try the three. I'm back on the program. I'm gonna do the three. Oh, three scoops of this three one. Scoops. Yeah. yeah, I did scoop. Uh, two scoops the other day when I went. Mm. It's good. Liked it. What day? Paid off. Wednesday. Oh, okay. What about Sunday? Oh yeah, Sunday. Sorry. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. the other day. Sunday. Yeah. yeah a little bit discipline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. <laughs> I, I I sensed a little bit of urgency yeah you, yeah you know you actually made me move i was pretty impressed that's actually the best i can hope for right now but hey we're doing it one step at a time you know we're moving forward also if you want some additional protein in addition to your steak steak or sushi mm. whatever your you know whatever your gig is drink milk drink it every day if you have to okay I have I have talked about this before, but I stepped it up. Okay, so you can also get Warrior Kid Milk, which is yes. for kids. It's got a it's it's the best possible thing you can feed a kid. They edited this out when uh, Ty was down doing the 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 week in the life of Jocko. Sure, <laughs> I was like, I said something along the lines of, "Hey, when you're feeding your kids, when you're feeding your kids a, a soda, that's child abuse." I was <laughs> yeah. going off. <laughs> But so I, that's why I made Warrior Kid Mulk. So I'm Warrior Kid Mulk because I have a bunch of kids myself, and mm-hmm. it's really hard to get kids to eat good food because it's either you don't have time to prepare it, or you're running late, or you whatever. Or so we made Warrior Kid Mulk. Yeah. Here's the thing: it tastes delicious. Here's what I did yesterday. My daughter, she was making her dessert strawberries. I said, here, let me, can she usually take strawberries, she puts whipped cream on it, and then she sprinkles Warrior Kid Mulk on the top like a little dusting. 
<laughs> it's really good. We had no whipped cream yesterday. So I said, hey, we got some heavy whipping cream. And I've done this before, but I actually got the tool out, the proper mixing tool that spins real fast. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, I Well, there's a bunch of them, but the one that I am familiar with is called the magic wand. Okay, mine wasn't that. The mine electric just one? Like a, oh, no, the- this is like an, oh, yeah, it's electric. <laughs> it wasn't gas powered, <laughs> but it's just like the traditional thing that you saw in the 50s, a little, two little things that spin together. And you oh, stick. the egg beater? Yeah, like an egg beater. <laughs> okay. So All I'm right. sitting there with the cool. egg beater, so I put in heavy whipping cream, mm-hmm. and then I put two scoops of strawberry warrior kid milk, mm-hmm. whipped it. Dude, it's ridiculous. Legit. It's completely ridiculous. So and then like and then cream. and then put that on strawberry. Yeah, it's like a whipped cream. It's like whipped cream, milk, whipped, milk cream. whipped cream. Dang. So this is a whole nother thing. This might start a whole nother sort of <laughs> cultural revolution in this nation from our children Maybe. when they just are eating Warrior Kid whipped milk cream. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so, anyways, give yeah. that a try. Interesting that, um, yeah, the egg beater. Well, the ma- you know what the magic wand is? It's it's not. It's like maybe from the eighties. It's like a. It looks like. Oh a, yeah, yeah. You just stick it in your drink. Yeah, so goes, and yeah, it yeah. makes whipped cream. You can make like mayo with it oh, or whatever. Dang. But from what I understand, anyway, yeah. I don't know. Nonetheless, but yeah, it, it would have been interesting to imagine you with one of those because it is kind of a dainty uh, apparatus. So get some of that. Get some of that milk for yourself or your children yes. or both. All on originmain.com. Also, Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko Store. Mm-hmm. JockoStore.com. So this is where you can get more rash guards. Rash guards that represent the path. I'm going to put a new rash guard on there. Kind of obvious ones saying, uh, stand by to get some. Because it applies to jujitsu. It does what I'm apply. Saying. Yeah. Anyway, some new stuff on I there. I was wearing a rash guard when I was working out this morning. Yeah. When I was lifting. <laughs> yeah. When I do... Uh, when I do a lot of ring work, when I'm using the rings, yeah. sometimes you know you get the chafe going on. Right, the straps. Yep, yep yeah. the straps. So on, sometimes on this particular day, and I did have a rash guard on this morning. Yeah. Good. Also, t-shirts. Shirts on there represent? Trucker's hats. And flex fit, by the way. Or beanies. Sure. Check. Patches on there. I know we were out of patches. We were. Oh, okay, sorry. But, I should have done a better job of paying attention to that. Yeah, no, 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 and no, it was my fault. And, and no, 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 completely my fault. And <laughs> this is what I'm going to do to rectify. I ordered more patches. We got more patches in at this time. Also, some women stuff on there. Some hoodies on there. It's basically if you want to represent the path that you're on, that we're on. Boom! That's where you can do it, clothing wise. Jockostore.com. That's how I see it. Like that's how I see it as a whole. That's what it is. And subtle representation of the path can also be done. Yes. On that store, you can check it out for yourself and see some subtle yeah. representation of Few, the path. Uh, yeah, deep. How should I say deep <laughs> representation? You know. Check. Yeah, Jockostore.com. And Jocko White Tea. Mm-hmm. What up with it? Tastes delicious. Is completely good for you. Isn't it weird that people would make foods that are not completely good for you, but yet most people make foods that are not completely good for you? Yes. Jocko well, White Tea is completely good for you. Well, it goes back to that. Antioxidants. Yeah. Tastes delicious. Got yeah. a little caffeine, a little hitter. It's not going to get you crazy. It's not a. It's not an energy drink. <laughs> 
that makes you a psychopath, mm-hmm. makes you addicted to caffeine. Uh-huh. No. It's not that. It gives you a nice little hitter, a little yeah. caffeine hitter, Theo. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I would even say this: the caffeine is significant. It's not nothing. No, it's sixty milligrams. That's 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 lower than a cup of coffee, a f- two thirds of a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's solid. It's good. Yeah, yeah. You feel good. it. You feel it. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, but so, it's actually good for you. Yeah, and that's the thing. Going back to uh, you know, the short term, long term, mm-hmm. or long game, short game. Yeah, that's the reason people sell food, drinks, whatever that are not good for you because mm-hmm. they're selling to the short game players. Yeah. The one that tastes good with all yeah. the the uh, sugars and whatnot. You don't know? get on that path. No. That's In not fact, even a path. Don't even play that game. No. We're not playing that game anymore. Jocko White Tea. You can get it with tea bags or you can get it with in a can. Yes. And I have lots of cans and I just crack them open and get after it. Me too. And obviously everyone already knows that you get an 8,000 pound deadlift with that. Yeah. So check. Yeah, there it is. Available Boom. on Amazon. Yeah. And the store. Also. Subscribe to the podcast, blah, blah, blah. Thank your, you. God, uh, you I've know, been waiting for you to do that. Also, audio. check out the Warrior Kid podcast. You might, you probably know about this podcast because you're listening to it. You don't know about the Warrior Kid podcast. <laughs> the Warrior Kid podcast is awesome, mm. I think. I think so, too. So check out the Warrior Kid podcast. Also, check out Warrior Kid Soap at irishoaksranch.com. Young Aiden, who's a warrior kid up there, making soap, building a business, creating a brand. Yep. But most of all, milking goats and turning it into something usable. That's what I like. Working hard. Take it. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Don't forget about YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. It's called Jocko Podcast? Yes. Yes, it's called Jocko Podcast. (laughs) This is where Echo puts all these videos. He puts them on there, including these full podcasts and including excerpts and including enhanced excerpts that he goes a little crazy with his little digital CGI stuff and Stop. makes things explode. Sure, sometimes. Also, psychological warfare. If you don't know what that is, I know we all know what that is. We're waiting for psychological warfare too. But in the unlikely event that you don't know what it is, this is what it is. It's an album with tracks, Jocko tracks, Jocko talking to you, telling you, telling us really how to get past these moments of weakness. Cool. In our journey, on the path, cool. lifting, cool. waking up, cool. whatever we got to do. <laughs> I gave you, I let you talk about that one I again. know, and you know what, you know Borderline. what, I, I just figured Borderline. out, I figured this out. Borderline. This is why you're like, yeah, like, yeah, that's what it is, boom, move on, kind of, kind of attitude. You know why? Why? Because you don't use that. You're not going to put, you're not going to play the MP3 of yourself telling yourself. Well, I don't know, maybe uh, you do, but I don't think you do. You okay. already had that MP3 embedded in your brain already. Yeah. In fact, that's what it is. It's literally what it is. But I do, so I know that. that yeah, you know it more than me. Because it's yeah. weird, because sometimes I do. And it's sort of like it's sort of like the the Disciplinical Freedom Field Manual. Yeah, I did write that book, mm-hmm. but sometimes I have to refer to it. Yeah, Sometimes I have to refer to it. And I'll tell you what, it's good. Yeah. It's good to be able to refer to something that actually states in no uncertain terms the direction of the path and where you need to walk where you need to move yeah it's very it is very there's a lot of clarity in it yeah and it's powerful to be able to refer to something back like that you know yeah so yeah fully and yeah so psychological warfare same thing same deal when i listen to it it definitely has an impact there's no doubt about it 
Yeah. When you get psychological warfare and you click it, yeah, huh. it's gonna it's, get it's, through to you. It almost like, and I'm trying to imagine this right now. Like, let's say, okay, you know how the night before you might have this problem, you might not. I don't know, but you know, the night before you're like, hey, I know you probably don't actually. Hey, this is what I'm gonna do tomorrow. I'm gonna take care, of, take care of business. I'm gonna work out this at this time, and I'm do this, I'm gonna do this, and then tomorrow comes, and you're like, dang, I'm kind of not in the mood for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna, I won't do that today. I'll, I'll skip that. I'll opt out of that today because I'm not in the mood or whatever. But what if you if you have like a audio file of yourself telling you, hey, this is why you should do this. Yeah, it would bring you back, I think. Yeah. Even if it's yourself, you know, huh? Interesting. Interesting little phenomenon. Never explored that. Nonetheless, it's good. Psychological warfare. It's called psychological warfare. It's on, uh, you know, Amazon iTunes, wherever you can get the MP3s. artist is Jocko Willink. <laughs> Happens to be yeah, the artist. Psychological Warfare Two is gonna be released to to be to be decided. TBD. Yeah. The first track is gonna be. Don't hesitate in making Psychological Warfare Two. Yeah, the progress. <laughs> so I can play it to myself. Deal. Yeah. Anyway, also your path on the path we're working out. Boom, go to onit.com slash Jocko. This is where you can get more, whether it be workout equipment or, you know, any anything that you might need to add to your capability in workouts, health, knowledge on the path. This is where you go. Go onit.com slash Jocko. Good stuff on there. Really good stuff. Just got some stuff the other day. Speaking of stuff, we got Mikey and the Dragons book for kids. All ages between three and three hundred. So you can get that. You can get Way the Warrior Kid and Mark's Mission, two books teaching kids how to be on the path. You got Discipline Equals Freedom, which I just talked about. It's teaching adults how to go on the path and stay on the path. The audio of that is on iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play. Extreme Ownership, the first book that I wrote with my brother Leif Babin. It's about leadership. And that is followed up by the dichotomy of leadership, which actually goes granular on the nuances of extreme ownership. So check that one out. And real quick, back to Mikey and the Dragons. This, what's good about this book, and I was talking about Leif, talking with Leif about it this morning, it applies to everything for a kid. Because kids have to think about it. When you're a kid, what are you? When you're a kid facing the world, mm-hmm. everything is hard. Everything yeah. is scary. Yeah. And so you have all these fears to overcome. And Mikey and the Dragons, Leif, Leif throws that at his son. Says, "Hey, you gotta face these dragons and fire it up." Yeah. You know. And that's what you do. You learn these lessons, and it's a life lesson. Hmm. So Mikey and the Dragons get some of that. What else? Echelon Front. Speaking of Leif, this is our leadership consultancy. And what we do is solve problems through leadership. Me, Leif Babin, JP Dinell, Dave Burke, Flynn Cochran, Mike Sorelli, Mike Bayama. If you're having problems with your team, with your company, with your organization, with your business, and you want to turn those problems around, the problems are leadership problems. That's what they are. Every problem you have is a leadership problem. Go to echelonfront.com if you want us to come and help you solve those problems. We solve problems through leadership. The muster, speaking of leadership, this is a leadership conference event 
that we have 2019 May 23rd and 24th Chicago September 19th and 20th Denver December 4th and 5th Sydney Australia Go to extremeownership.com if you want to come to one of those events. They have all sold out. And these are going to sell it too. The, the last one we did in San Francisco, they've all sold out. But the one we just did in San Francisco, I had people calling me 10 days out, personal friends. that were like, hey, I just want to bring three people from my team. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. No, you can't come. Yeah. We have a fire code. We cannot bring you into the building. Stop. Don't, don't come. Because yeah. you know you know, some people just figure, you're like, oh, you can just squeeze me in there? Yeah, I'll just I, stand I, on the I side. I actually can't do that. Yeah. They're all, they all have sold out. They are all going to sell out. So go there and register as quick as you can. EF Online is live, is launched. What is that? I'll tell you what. If you can't make it to a muster or you can't afford to go to the muster or you can't afford to bring 12 people from your team to the muster, EF Online. That's what EF Online is. We the the original intent of EF Online was to be able to train people without having them have to come to the muster. Mm-hmm. Give them the same experience, give them the same knowledge without having to come to the muster. Mm-hmm. So, we did it. And efonline.com interactive, you get the briefs, you get to go through scenarios. It's it's powerful. It's way more powerful than I thought it was going to be. And I thought it was going to be good, but it's better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because I went through I went through it, uh-huh. and I was like, oh yeah, you know, like cool. This is like just like what what we talk about at the muster, or what you guys talk right. about at the muster. What I listen to, <laughs> and then it's cool because at sort of at the end of of the sections or whatever, there's like a little quiz. I, I think the way the thing came out, and we're continuing to to work on it, and we're continue to upload new modules so like mm-hmm. oh and what's and the other so so one of the reasons that we made it was to was to help people that weren't coming that couldn't have come to the monster whether they were overseas or they couldn't afford it or they didn't couldn't get time off right. the other major demand signal was we work with giant companies that have a hundred thousand oh, yeah. employees right. yeah. and I, I one particular company with over a hundred thousand employees said to me hey well we want you to train every employee we have and mm-hmm. this was two years ago and I didn't have a good answer for him and I don't like having a, not having a good answer right yeah. oh you want me to travel globally for the next six months to yeah. all your different factories I mean it wasn't six months it was probably gonna take three and a half months or something like that yeah. that's not feasible yeah. like I can't just go off the grid everywhere else not record a podcast be traveling the world training people right that's not gonna happen mm. so what are we gonna do EF online yeah, and so we got an enterprise with it too, where you can have your whole company train it, and it's awesome. It's awesome. So, good. get your people aligned. That's EF online, and of course, one last thing: EF Overwatch. This is us connecting proven le- combat leaders from special operations and from combat aviation, and we're bringing them into companies that need leadership in their organization to get problems solved. Go to efoverwatch.com. You want people that know and understand extreme ownership, know and understand the laws of combat, know and understand how to balance that economy of leadership, go to efoverwatch.com. Whether you're a person that's trying to hire or a person that's trying to get hired, if you're one of those vets, go and sign up there. And if you have anything to communicate with us, we can be found on the interwebs, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on the fish. Bookie. Echo is at Echo Charles and I am at 
Jocko Willink. And finally, thanks to all of our military personnel out there for training hard and for holding the line, as always, against evil around the globe. And also thanks to our uniformed personnel here on the home front. And that includes police and law enforcement, firefighters and paramedics and EMTs and correctional officers and border patrol and all first responders. Thank you and to everyone else out there. Like Machiavelli says in his book, not the one that you've heard about, but what he actually says, guard yourself from flattery by demanding the truth, especially the truth from yourself, and choose good people to be around you and set a good example by acting with courage and gravity and fortitude and study the art of war its rules and its discipline and keep your body accustomed to the hardships and exercise your intellect with reading and last but not least even when the weather is fair in fact especially when the weather is fair make provisions build defenses and barriers and dams and canals and protection protections against the rising waters of misfortune so even when things go wrong you are ready to get out there and get after it and until next time this is echo and jocko out.